This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's corporate cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. The True Geordie podcast, mate, famed for original guests. Mm-hmm. Something a bit different. Today, it's a poker player. Charlie Carell. <laughs> I like how, dramatic. I like how I said good that as if he's like a zoo animal and I'm like, it's an elephant. <laughs> In his natural you know habitat. I mean? Yeah. Uh, 22 aren't you 23 23 nice research. I checked the old yeah. do you know what he said before this he went I've lined up no questions for this but I know it all and then he went 2022 I know what I'm going to say I got this guy <laughs> top notch interviewer do you know what I mean Mr Steve Carell with, with the, what's your name how are you again <laughs> so this motherfucker right here yeah you've earned a lot of money on poker Yes. Mm. I'm just going to stop the podcast early on here. This episode of the True Geordie podcast is sponsored by BetOnBrazil.com. It's the new betting site for all sports punters with great odds, markets and offers. Listeners to this podcast can now get a free £10 when they deposit £10 just by using the promo code TRUE10. Spell that T-R-U-E-1-0. All capitals. Just visit BetOnBrazil.com and enter the promo code TRUE10 when you deposit your £10 and you'll get £10 free. Also look out for our daily happy hour offers between 5 and 6 p.m. You can sign up at betonbrazil.com. Over 18s only. Offer is for new customers only. Terms apply. Betting should be fun, so please gamble responsibly. 5.7 million. Is that dollars or pounds? Dollars. Dollars, dollars. And that's, dollars. Not, that's not the exact number. That's, that's Around about that. Yeah. That's an estimation. That's a, that's still a fuck ton more than I've made in my pathetic life. Mm. So... <laughs> Congratulations, mate. I don't even know. Mate, we've had rich motherfuckers on here before. We've had, like, KSI. He's a lot of money, that kid, you know. Jimmy Conrad's probably worth a few, Bob. But 5.7 million. Well, the thing is, when when you first walked in the room, I sort of thought, the poker player will walk in in a minute. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Then, and then it was like, you are 23. Unassuming. <laughs> you are, yeah, you're quite an unassuming guy. And I, I think originally when you, when you think of a poker player, you think, well, you know, your first question is always about that. Yeah, for sure. How did you get into poker? How did you get into winning all this money or losing a lot of money as well? I guess you must have lost some money along the way. Yeah, just just to just to clarify that that's like something that comes up quite often when someone's like, "Oh, you won that much, but how much did you lose?" Yeah, I that, don't I don't think that. Right. See, I'm I'm a I'm a glass half full kind of guy. <laughs> like that. So. I'm I'm a just look at the glass in front of me. If if we've lost some milk, yeah. sure, that's fine. Yeah. Just so so when people say they've made like a million or two million in poker, that means like net. So yeah, that, that's including us. But um, yeah, I started four years ago, maybe uh-huh. just a bit less. Fuck me. And uh, I I came from very humble beginnings. <laughs> and you're pretty humble now, mate. I mean, you're rocking <laughs> Homer Simpson pajama looking pants. I mean, can you stand up just to give people? Yeah, yeah. Just, give, I'm give sorry, him a spin. No, no, no. humiliating him. It's not. It's just a bit. 
He's look, not. A, he doesn't look like a millionaire when he's walking around town. So or, sit yourself or, down. I, ne- or, I never want to be the kind of person that someone looks at and they can just be like, "Oh, he's got loads of money." Yeah. Mm. I don't ever want to oh, no. be that. Be well, don't worry. There's no danger of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <do> you, <laughs> I'm obviously joking. What an arsehole thing. Have you never had the temptation? I mean, before we go into how it all happened, yeah. to flaunt it a bit more than what you do and be like. Fuck me, like go Conor McGregor on people and just go crazy, like rocking the suits and all the rest of it. Or so it was. It was kind of thing that when I first got money, because I was so new to it, <laughs> it did feel a bit like, oh, I'm really proud of this. So yeah. I want to, I want to show it to people. But because it's like such a cliche of when someone gets money, them turning into an arsehole. Mm. I was just like, I just told my friends like, if I do anything dumb and flashy that you think is just like overboard just tell me yeah. and there have been a couple of times where someone should be like are you sure you need to buy that yeah. Like, oh yeah good point what, what have you thought of buying that you haven't then ended up buying um i have thought of buying mainly holidays for my friends and parties yeah uh great idea i have good in, times i have indulged in in other places but i, I didn't go quite as ludicrous as i was going to mm-hmm. okay at times um, okay. So. The thing is, as a poker player, um, I mean, what's weird about rich or being rich is such a weird line of questioning. Um, <laughs> it's not normal, though, to ask these yeah. questions. Well, yeah, no, sure. but, but what's what's weird about sort of being so being a poker player, you're famous as well within the poker community, yeah. and so I'd imagine that also comes with some benefits as well there. So people are sort of like stay in our hotel room or you know come yeah. to our casino. It really depends how you drive it and what kind. of of life you want to live so for instance like coming on here with uh, on a YouTube show with 400k subscribers hey. oh, shout, shout out got the numbers <laughs> he's in the millions but I'm, I'm getting there yeah. in terms of people yeah. uh, if, I, if I wanted to say plug a certain brand mm-hmm. if I wanted to name like certain poker websites I could probably like just who? email them Let's not. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Wait until I don't they want to plug yeah, thing. Tell, um, tell out the contact me and then we'll. Yeah, right, exactly. Nice um, one, I, I definitely could have, but I, it just kind of feels a bit off for me. Like, I don't want to come on here and be like, play on this website. Mm-hmm. Trust me, it's the best. Mm-hmm. And just give people, like, kind of disingenuous advice. It doesn't sound that fun. Mm-hmm. Do you play on poker on a lot of websites? Yeah. So, from what I understand, your story begins you're playing on the internet yeah and that's how you found your way into this uh am i right in thinking you live with your grandma for for a while while there, doing w- that? there was a little period mm. where maybe like seven months mm-hmm. like not that little um where i i moved out of my life mm. and dedicated my life to poker and then to get away from everything went to jersey and live with my grandma Mm. Yeah, but yeah, it all started online so one thing that i've noticed about any successful person in any field there's usually a point where it becomes an obsession. Yeah, definitely. At what point do you feel like that happened for you and it went from being a hobby that you kind of enjoy to, fuck me, this is me life here, every day, all day. When when you're thinking about it when you first wake up. Yeah. Um. I, I guess like that's a really good point. I, I think that, first, I think you can really tell with someone when their hobby is a passion and when it's just there to make money. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that's probably something that comes in the YouTube world a lot as well. Yeah, for me, I remember there was a point where I realised that I was waking up and before I had breakfast, I was thinking about YouTube, and that's when I was like, "All right, this is yeah, not exactly. my whole life." What, what, what kind of thoughts? I woke up in the morning and I, I was pr- just feeling like, I don't know if the word's desperate, but like, or obsessed, or that kind of extreme yeah. feeling. You were quite excited to, to start getting in, yeah. getting into it, digging. That, in. That's when it, uh, it's a passion. So YouTube for me is a passion. It's something. If there wasn't any money in, I'd still enjoy it. 
regardless. I might not be able to do it on the scale I do it on, but I'd still do it anyway. And or if there was very little money in it or whatever, which things aren't going as good as they yeah. could be. Nice. But you know, at least it's going well for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all right. For <laughs> but, so you'd actually be quite a good poker player, I think. You reckon? Yeah. What? What? what yeah, it's like how well, you're asking him. It's like, do I mean, you, yeah, do you think? Yeah, actually, you know what? Yeah, I do think you. Maybe would. not. What do you think makes a good poker player? Uh, I'd say there are a few things. Like, first of all, you need to have some kind of consistent logical ability. Um, it, you don't need to be like particularly mathematical, uh, but just like not making brain farts left, right, and center kind of thing. So have a, a good grasp of probability, stuff like that. Yeah, mm. and um, then the next aspect would be psychology, whether you can get yourself inside the head of someone else. Because mm. a lot of poker is you get to a lot of situations where it's like, oh, he thinks this, so then you have to be on the next level. It's like I think he thinks this, and then mm. he has to be on the next level. It's like think he thinks I think this. So, and so you can end up psyching yourself out. Yeah, and that's where you level yourself and end up punting. Too. You have to you have to think how others would think. Exactly. But it's sort of hard to... Because re- obviously... So how well do you know those other people who are sitting opposite you? Because obviously there's a circuit. There's people who are... Yeah. Maybe more often than not. So it's kind of nuanced. Like, sometimes you'll know the person ridiculously well. You'll know whether he's the kind of person to get nervous in this kind of situation. But occasionally you'll just have to judge someone by the way he looks. Like... Wow. When someone sits down at a poker table, a pro will be able to recognize whether they're a professional as well within the first, like, five seconds. Wow. Maybe within the first half a second. Um, and that's based on appearance, based on whether they hold their cards, hold their chips, play with their chips. And from then, you can make assumptions. You'd be like, okay, so I think, like, 95% of the time he's going to be a recreational player, which means I'm going to play like this against him, and he's probably going to think like this, and just, like, trying to get in the mind of what he probably is. So psychology is a huge... It is huge. So, so, so a recreational player will play differently to a... Um, a, a professional player. Mm, I hope so. Otherwise, <laughs> there's a shit industry. <laughs> I mean, but you know what I mean. Like, there, but there could there, there could be a recreation. Someone who you know. Can you tell an ex-pro, for instance, who's sort of just left the game and kind of came back? Yeah, I, I think as soon as it's probably true with any sport. Uh, as soon as you know the game well enough, you can probably be like, oh, he's got all the old tricks of someone that used to play ten years ago, but he's right. a bit like, can you get there with the sports you're interested in, like UFC? Well, it's funny that you're mentioning this because I, it's kind of bringing back memories of talking to the UFC fighter we had on Dan Hardy, who he said before a fight he was going up against a guy who was a known stand up and bang type fighter, as was Dan Hardy, yeah. and they were both DMing before the fight, saying, all right, we're going to have a war here, we're going to, and then the other guy came in and just wrestled him the whole time, and he was totally not expecting it you'd be really annoyed and yeah, so it would also be really weird if someone came in and yeah. wrestled you instead of playing poker do that you, really do you have situations yeah. in poker where you will goad them at the table or talk to them a little bit like that to try and get them to do what you want them to do yeah that's actually without plugging myself too much that's like I, I would plug think, away mate that's what you <laughs> I would think it's probably one of the things that makes me distinct from most people of my generation so like you Probably, if you've watched poker, you would have seen a bunch of like Texan cowboys sitting at the table, would just be like, "What do you got, son?" That's great, that's and, great. and that's that's sick. That's sick yeah. to watch. But the way that poker's gone at the moment is that because online poker's boomed so much, it means that a lot of the more successful poker players now are just like maths nerds that sit in their computer all day and try not to yeah. give away any information. It's opened it up to so many different types of personalities. Then, yeah. yeah, 
yeah. I, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I, I think it has, it, it's, but it's now mainly very skewed towards the nerdy kind. Right, the so geeks. You, so you don't get people speaking at the table. You mm. get people wearing, like, headphones and with hoodies up and shit like that, and they're just, like, very focused on themselves. They're not and, social. Right, what, exactly. So they, where, they just listen to their own music or what? Like, yeah, 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 they listen to music. They'll just, like, do anything that will stop them from giving away any information. And right. They won't try and, like pry other people for information which is like my favorite thing about poker it's like the most fun thing when you're watching it. it's like he's just like spoken to him and managed to soul read him and just like made some sick hero call on the river and it's like because he got inside his head mm. but that's so kind of lost can you the give me an example of something um that's happened in the past where you're at the table and you've you've balked them and got them to do what you want is that um, a yeah there's there's like um, it's like one of my proudest poker moments was there's like a video on YouTube of me versus there's a guy called Leon Shukinik very very nice guy very rich guy um, and I was it was like the final table of a 50k it's like huge money up top for just um, like four people left I was bluffing on the river for what was probably worth like 100k or something I, I don't want to do the maths or something like that mm-hmm. and he was tanking which means he was like thinking for about seven minutes yeah, appreciate you uh, explaining that for those out yeah, there who yeah. don't yeah. know so what's bluffing on the river because uh, that, that sounds very similar to something that you used to do but um, then they, they got rid of you and you, diving yeah. oh right okay, uh, okay no, what does that mean then um, what bluffing on the river uh, so like bluffing meaning you have a not very good hand and you're trying to make them fold a better hand yeah and sure. it's generally what's, what's the like river a, a river's like the, the last three in poker so mm. you get the flop which is the first three cards of the turn it's the next card and the river's the last card got you okay and you have an action per each per each street so um, what did you do at this point then so I was bluffing on the bluffing river. against um, Leon and because I knew that he was a very like he he wasn't there to win money. He was there to make himself feel good. He's like money doesn't mean anything to him. He's there to have a good time, but he's also there to like crush the pros. Um, so I went on a huge rent, and I, I feel like it, it's very difficult to explain. In so he's in, uh, financially in this situation. He's not invested. He he feels like you're saying because he's so rich that winning and losing isn't really that important to him at this point it's it's about how he feels about it yeah exactly so you wanted to use that against him yeah so I, I, I tried to get in his head and make him feel like if he made this amazing fold which I was trying to sell would be in a in sick fold but by being one level above him and trying to convince him that I had a really good hand um, then he would just look like a genius if he made this fold and I was trying to get in his head and I knew that playing to his what were you ego, saying at the time um I remember one of the lines I said was specifically just like, well, whatever happens, you're going to look very clever. And you, you, know, you know it just in his head is like, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> this is the one, boys. If anyone ever says that to you, though, it, it is going to get you thinking, whatever happens, yeah. you're going to look clever. Yeah, but I mean, surely... It's impossible for someone to say that to you and for it not to evoke some sort of emotion. But like. you'd always double... You'd always... I'd, so I'd, dub, I'd double guess that and be like, Hold on a minute. So there's a, a, basically what you're then saying is, no matter what you do here, you're going to look stupid. Like, that's what I hear <laughs> but, when you say it, that. It's easy for you to say that now, but at the same time, there's no cameras on. You're saying, of course, it's it's it go back on that. But what it's easy to say that when there's not hundreds of no, thousands. I'm, of I'm not saying I go back on that, but my first thought when someone says yeah. something like that to me when you're playing, but then you get like thinking that, and you start playing you think, tricks on. Hold your on mind. a minute, is yeah. he gonna? But that's the point. So, so he folded, yeah. Yeah, he folded, and it was like one of one of my favorite poker moments. But, and what yeah. how, what was your reaction to that? Like, can you do, did so? Did you 
could you then walk away from the table with that money was that like the very no, last no. thing so or what happened the way that tournaments work is that uh, you'll, you'll buy into a tournament for whatever amount and then you'll just play until every until one person has all the chips right uh, so there were four left which, so it's like all the money's at the top few places mm. so it's uh, super intense and a, a really high one um, but then we had to play out he ended up winning the tournament so yeah. okay so touche to him yeah uh, yeah he was a good player then clearly he's very good for a recreational player mm. um I would say that he doesn't know anything about poker, but his intuition is pretty sick. And wow. I'd say that that is like one of the biggest things when you're saying, oh, what makes a good poker player? Intuition is probably like the number one, I think. And is that a backhanded compliment saying is he, he's very good for a recreational? That's a bit like sort of like, you know. At all for a midget. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I don't think so. I, I, I think he, he doesn't care that, that he's a recreational player. He's just like a sick business crusher. Wow. He's got better things to do than play poker, you know. <laughs> so he, but he still plays poker? Yeah, yeah. He, he, he plays all the pros. He does really well I think and he, he just has a laugh and, do you, and you know him reasonably well or? so he's yeah, in a position to play the pros because he's a multi-rolled yeah. by yeah. he also like owns a casino and like, you know just has all the stuff but, you know? but without all that money you're you're saying <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't be in a position to get where you've got he couldn't he couldn't work his way up from the bottom like you have because you've had to you've had to learn poker in a way that he hasn't he's coming at the top almost because of the money he's got yeah exactly I I, I mean like I, I'm not saying that he couldn't if he were put in a situation but he hasn't where he had zero, yeah if he had his poker knowledge now he wouldn't be able to play like any of the games online and be successful in them you, f- you feel like is, is the online world uh a proven ground where people are like honing their skills right now is there a lot of like savages on there yeah so pretty much like you can if you want to get good at poker you want to go online mm. Look, and the reason for that is that if you go to a casino you can sit there at a cash table and you'll play around about 30 hands per hour mm. whereas if you're playing online you can get in like 500 to 1000 hands per hour if you really wow. want to go for it I've heard of stories of people who um, put out online and Sometimes they'll have multiple computers going. They'll have ten different games going yeah, at once. Yeah, They're like definitely. literally like wired. Uh, yeah. Did you yeah. ever approach what? that? Because they, <laughs> they're trying to get in as many games as they can and win as much money as they can. Right. Uh, so they're not trying to really learn poker. They're just basically just trying to win a lot of money. Well, you are learning that as you're going. Though, I mean, if you can play God knows how many different games of poker at one time. Imagine what you can do it's with like, just one game. It's it's like if you're sparring and you have six different opponents fighting, you're getting so many different looks uh, over the course of that time. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly it. It's like the more you play, the more you're going to build up this intuition because you're going to be like, oh, I've seen this situation come up before six times. Yeah. And just like even if you don't recognize that consciously, your subconscious, like our brains are fucking good at recognizing mm-hmm. patterns, you know? Like, like if you just like have seen it before but you don't really know it, then it's, it's going to bring up something and be like, oh, it feels like he's probably bluffing in this situation. Yeah. I would say that poker is one of the most unsaturated industries at the moment for how much how little talent you need to have for how much money you need you can make mm-hmm. is is just insane. There's so, like no other industries. You know? Well, when you started, at what point did you realize holy shit, I can make a fuck ton of money out of this if I do everything, if I play my cards right. He loves those He's bits. looking for validation. <laughs> He's yeah. like, come on, guys. <laughs> so at what point did you realise? Um, I'd say it was probably a few months in. Like, I was doing my A-levels at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember wanting to spend more time on my poker than mm-hmm. my A-levels. Um, and the reason for that is because I thought that it would be my way out of having to work, you know. And before then, my dream was to be a banker or, like, I, I mean, it wasn't a dream. It's just, like, what I was going to do because I wanted to just retire at some point. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, 
then I'd say a few months in when I started playing, it was still like reasonably low stakes, like the buy-ins would be like $50 or something, but I realized that it was actually like real money that would make a significant difference in my life. I was like, holy shit. And at that time I was like dreaming of having maybe like a five figure bankroll right. or even, you know. So you never, um, did you did you grow up with much money in the family? Was was money something that came uh, in your life from day one, or, or or was things tough at times? Or yeah, things things are super tough. Like my family, were, we were pretty poor. Um, mm-hmm. My mum battled it out. You know, mm-hmm. shout out to mum, legend. And yeah, nice. And so fifty quid was a lot of money to you at that point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like when I when I first started, I deposited ten pounds, mm-hmm. and that I mean that was like that was how much money I had, you know. Mm-hmm. And I probably would have done twenty if I had twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean there were times in my life where I'd made money through other more nefarious means. All right, like what? But, uh, I got into drug dealing at one point in my life um, you know also did some other stuff like bought and sold Pokemon cards when I was a kid but everyone well, everyone's got a vice haven't they yeah. <laughs> there's a few things we've got in common yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, so, so um, were you uh, playing poker at that point while dealing or was that something uh, that there, happened before there was probably like a three month gap I think between mm-hmm. dealing and, uh, and poker uh, this is something I haven't actually admitted to pretty much anyone. So. Your parent? Hi, mum. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, dad knew. <laughs> <laughs> That's my boy. Yeah. Yeah. Genuinely, when I told him, he was like, you know what you're doing, right? I was like, yeah. And he was like, legend. Right. <laughs> I was like, thanks, dad. Yeah. So um, you come from, uh, <clears throat> would you would you call it a conventional family? It sounds like, you know, I don't know that many. I mean, maybe I've never come out as a drug dealer to my dad, but yeah, not yet anyway. How they going to react. Uh, yeah. yeah. What, yeah, what, what, uh, that doesn't sound like a normal parent reaction. Like, do you think you've got sort of unusual or exceptional parents? Um, I would say that. Um, I would say that my dad, from the age of pro- when I was like fifteen, probably just like he saw me do a bunch of stuff that I probably wasn't meant to do. But right. when he saw, when he like heard my reasonings behind them, he was like, "So he trusts your judgment." And, exactly. And I suppose you would have needed that going into poker as well because. Poker could go bad as well, couldn't yeah. it, potentially? And that's the thing. My mum had a, a slightly negative reaction to poker at first, as mm. I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of poker players can relate to is that yeah. when you first tell someone, they're like, oh, my son's got a gambling problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, this is exactly what we It's only a problem if I keep. lose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, actually, there's a very fine line, though, isn't there, between having that, because it does <coughs> sound... Like, all the things that you're describing sound like an addiction. For sure, yeah. And the thing is, I think a lot of poker players are addicted to poker. Right. Um, but, like what's the difference between an addiction and a passion it's, it's like success right? would you yeah, say a uh, hundred meter sprinter gold medalist Hussein Bolt for example is he addicted to sprinting uh, like, what what achieves greatness no no well, I, obsession isn't it yeah, yeah sure. I, I, well I'm not necessarily saying I, I mean the problem is gambling addiction is a very serious problem for some people you know the, but the problem is they tend to have a certain background and they tend to have a certain they like you say they tend to just lose and that's not the, the, the point is is it only becomes a problem if you're crap at what you're doing it's like if if someone is uh, addicted to anything if my mates I, I want to do something with me like when my said I wanted to be a youtuber I've got no doubt some of my mates can fucking hell do you see Brian putting them videos out and selling in there he's can't fucking crack as yeah, 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 and sure. people when, whenever you go on to achieve anything in life and it, it, it isn't uh, the usual regular set out that everyone else is doing who you know 
You always seem a bit daft and a bit crackers. But, but at the same time, we had a guy called Nightscape on a few weeks ago, mm. and he climbs buildings, like just climbs, yeah, you know, yeah, free climbs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's a really cool guy. But your warning to him was, you know, if a kid goes out there and they, um, copy, you. they copy you, then something crazy could happen. And I'm just saying, like, you know, obviously you seem like a perfectly reasonable person, but there are people out there who have unhealthy addictions yeah you know? I think that that's probably a good point with so many people watching especially something like that was it Nightscape yeah I, I mean I guess disclaimers should be out there just been like mm. I guess we just think I'm, about it before yeah. you do it guys <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and, um, but do you th- do you feel like you thought about it or it just felt like a very natural route into it for you no I, I, I definitely put a lot of thought into it um I even when I was being pretty successful at the early stages you know I was making like you know hundred dollars in a week or something but yeah. at that stage it was successful um I was still thinking that I was just gonna do it for a while, make a bit of money, then drop out, and drop out of Pokemon, go to university, and do life. You know. So, how much thought did you put into drug dealing? Was that something that you fell into, or you thought about? God, it's so weird actually saying this. Um, so, the way that that happened is that when I was younger, I wasn't the most popular person. I got kind of bullied quite a lot. Um, one of the first groups that I, I really fell quite firmly into was a druggy group. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the first time I met them, they were just like lovely people. I ended up inviting them around my house because I had a free house that night. And mm-hmm. sorry, mum. And um, people on drugs are usually a lot happier than regular folks. So <laughs> they were lovely. <laughs> Makes they, sense. They present that way. They fucking yeah. cleaned up. One of them bought my cleaning's mom's fun flowers. on drugs. No, no. Though. Yeah, they <laughs> cleaned <laughs> they, up. Right, they cleaned up on a come down. Right. All right. Right. Fair like, that is like kudos. Now I've got respect for <laughs> top level <laughs> drug dealers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> These are some nice drug dealers, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah most pe- most drug dealers beat people up. They're yeah. cleaning up. Yeah. You know what? I actually <laughs> just think drug dealers just have a really bad image. Probably quite a few of them are actually just really. Really they're misrepresented yeah I mean you're all about giving people a good representation Lawrence maybe you should be a spokesperson for drug yeah. dealers yeah in many ways I think I actually should be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but so you had these guys run to your house yeah uh, people are going to give me such a hard time in the comment oh you had to go dapper laugh you never go a real drug dealer but so you 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 fell in with them but obviously you didn't sort of go can I buy and then sell some drugs as well yeah. what exactly were they were they sort of into what kind um so at first, it was mainly Mandy. Like the good me. shit. Um, and I think they they delved into psychedelics at some point and other stimulants like speed and 2CB and things like that. And what were you into? Um, at first, just Mandy. It was like the first proper drug I tried. I mean, I got high a couple of times. So it's not anything, you know? Yeah. Um, and then after a while... I mean, now I'm just like super, super into psychedelics. And I want to speak about that. Okay. Have you guys. I mean, just looking at you. Yeah, what are the chances, right? <laughs> you, you just look psychedelic. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, I mean, I've got a bit of knowledge about that. So, um, yeah. what is your psychedelic of choice? Um, I would say there's not one of choice. It, it would definitely depend on the context. Mm. Just before I say, have you, which ones have you tried? Um, I haven't tried any, but I've yeah. had a lot of conversations with people who've yeah, tried yeah, yeah. them. Um, so, so, like, for example, um, the one that Joe Rogan uh, is always on about. What's that one called? Um, it's the spirit molecule. What, ayahuasca. LSD or ayahuasca. I, it's it's ayahuasca, but it's the it's the component from ayahuasca. DMT. Wow, okay. DMT, dimethyltryptamine. Like yeah. Have you ever <laughs> taken DMT? DMT is the one that I'm holding out for. Yeah. Uh, so I've got a friend who she makes it herself, and mm. she's going to give me the first my first go because I have never smoked, and smoking DMT is apparently just like super rough. 
apparently it is a fucking intense experience yeah, like it makes exactly. you feel like you've gone to have a good chat with god apparently yeah um and people see faces and colors and all sorts of shit yeah. it's um you know a lot of people is it lsd is one of the lsd is probably the, it's the first one that a lot of people favorites. try is it it's the one that people like yeah it's the most accessible and yeah. it's the one that people's head go to if mm. they haven't been at amsterdam they'll try lsd first but mushrooms and stuff like that mushrooms, yeah. yeah i like mushrooms yeah, they're super fun. Yeah, I've tried quite a few different mushrooms like when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. So I've not done them in quite a while, but I, I think it also, it totally depends on where your head's at. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, there are a lot definitely. of people who would have really bad reactions. To <laughs> if you're in a really bad place, yeah. don't do it. If you're in a really great place, <laughs> hey, it's, I it's was like chatting incredible. to a lad about about trying them once, like because I was like, you know, psychedelics in general. What people, it's not the actual trip I'm, I'm interested in it's the after effect that people seem to get out of it where people seem to have a lot of like clarity of like alright egos in check this puts everything into perspective yeah, and, sure. that, and that seems quite interesting I'd like to be given that do you know what I mean that I'm not really that bothered about the trip um, but sure you have to go on the trip in order to get of course and that's what gets you but when someone said to us just make sure you're in a good place with your yeah. mind. Yeah. And at the time when I was contemplating it, I wasn't like I was pretty down and I was pretty in a negative place. And I thought I'll just give that a fucking while, like before yeah, I start. Because yeah. some people um, have bad trips and they do things where um, I heard, like for example, there was one guy at a school. Uh, near oh, where I live who um, it's never going well. Yeah. <laughs> so he <laughs> was tripping school. in a school. <laughs> he was a teacher. <laughs> who uh, who did a trip and uh, went on a little trip and uh, he literally threw himself out of a window and died Yeah, mid-trip you hear a bunch of those stories yeah. but I, I, I would just like he thought he was a Mars bar he's <laughs> <laughs> like <Sorry>, what? <laughs> sometimes you got to throw yourself out of a window yeah. Yeah. Mars bar. he thought he was right. a Mars bar you never know what you're going to do if you're a Mars bar yeah, it's you can't judge like, <laughs> what an unpredictable day you must <laughs> have as a Mars bar Mars yeah. bars get thrown away all the time God rest his soul Mars ting <laughs> anyway I'm so, definitely getting used to being in London yeah so um, so so how did you get into that like, so you just sort of did it and now you enjoy it and you do it as a recreational thing or what uh, hallucinogenics you mean? yeah um, yeah yeah that I first took LSD when I was part of that druggy group and I took it as actually I just took it because I really wanted a bad trip um, and Why? I because I really feel like I, re I have a very solid mindset that whatever bad happens to you in your life as long as it doesn't like physically incapacitate you in the future or maybe give you something like PS PTSD I really think that you can harness it for the greatest amount of good that could have happened so for instance like I was bullied very severely when I was younger and I think it's genuinely the best thing that's ever happened to me wow. because of the repercussions of it um, and I, I really wanted a bad trip because I feel like when you're in certain situations and you're seeing the worst side of you and you're having the worst experience and you think you're going to die or you think something's going to happen that's where you can learn the most about yourself I think yeah um, that's interesting that that's a very interesting point breakdown is breakthrough well Dan Hardy uh, retweeted something last night uh, something along the lines of how how do you know who you are if you've never been in a fight that's and, from Fight Club uh, but obviously it is <laughs> it is from Fight Club I know but I'm just saying like I just remember reading it thinking it is true like it's like what Nick Yaris had said to us like he learned the most about himself he knew he could overcome anything because he literally had to go through hell and what you're doing is obviously after the bullying experiences you've gained that confidence in yourself and then you're putting yourself in those bad positions almost in wanting yeah. that bad trip to say 
I can come out of this glass half full still. Yeah, for sure. Do you know what I mean? I've got a question actually. So this thing happened to me a few days ago, maybe like a couple of weeks ago actually. Yeah. Um, I was in the Bellagio Casino in Vegas mm. and jealous. We all been, yeah, as you are. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm fucking jealous. Um, and as my friend and I were playing poker, some a group of people came sprinting towards the poker area, mm. and they were shouting things like, "He's got a gun." He like shots fired things like that <laughs> so we had like a good minute or so thinking it's like fuck we're getting like Paris attacked here like yeah. this is it this is it so it ends and um, we ended up sprinting out and it turned out to be a guy that was robbing the Rolex store um, but in that moment in that minute I would say is one of the most enjoyable moments of my life wow um, because I I had like a near-death experience without actually being mm. in danger and so that, that got me thinking and I was like I've got this question I, I'm curious whether other people have this um, so I was thinking that if you had the chance um, it's going to be tr- pretty tricky to explain like say for instance in a week for sure there's going to be a plane crash and you have the choice to be on it but you know if you're on it you're not going to be hurt but you don't remember the conversation that you put yourself on it whilst you're on the plane so it's so like a blue pill red pill situation sure. where you'll not uh, what, what, what you're you saying is would, would you put yourself through that as a form of enjoyment do you mean like as a form of what like a learning experience yeah or just like you might enlightenment you mean yeah you might think you're like fucking free rolling life you know you'd be like oh my god I thought I was going to die and now every day is like my first so yeah. you, you're, you're saying that you got a bit of a buzz out of the fact of danger like you, you enjoyed that sort of thing which is quite normal there's a lot of people who say who've been in a bad depression and had a near death experience that snapped them out of it because they were like I didn't realise how much I wanted to live until I thought it was going to be taken away yeah, from exactly. us um I mean, I've had actual, like, I mean, I could rattle a few off, but I've had some, like, some really serious near-death experiences, like, shit I haven't even fucking talked about before. Um, And when you're really, really thinking you're going to die, as opposed to, and this isn't to take the piss out of what you've just said, because when someone's running around and you're hearing gunshots, especially in fucking America, you know anything can fucking happen. But when you're really face-to-face with death... There's no fucking enjoyment in that, and even after the fact, there's no enjoyment in it at all. There's no, like you you can grow from it, uh, definitely you can grow from it, but I don't think you'll ever look back on it as a um, as a good experience. So if what I'm saying is if you got on that plane, in my opinion, and you survived, but obviously other people didn't. Mm that would be forever like a horrible horrible dark memory and you'd never although you may grow from it it would never be a, f- a good thing i don't think okay i, th- I think it's that that's probably true for mm. the plane crash experience and that's why i was trying to choose something that was a lot more extreme mm. um i i think that even if someone doesn't enjoy uh the situation even if they can't look back at it as a good experience it doesn't yeah. mean that it won't have an overall positive influence without a doubt without a doubt like like nick yara said to us the guy who was on death row sh- bad shit can become a, a good thing if you can if you can rationalize it in your mind and grow from it yeah. it's also uh i mean it totally depends on your mindset i suppose you could take it as a terrible thing yeah. you could take it as a fantastic thing yeah, yeah we were talking about this in the last podcast weren't we about, yeah. Sorry, no, 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 no. Mm. we're talking about how you let things affect you. Is everything like negative? You get those people who are always fucking moaning. Fucking oh, uh, everything's my fucking going wrong for me. Poor me. They're the victims of life. Those people piss me off no end. Everything's negative, miserable moaning. And I think that the people out there who, when they do get served a shit sandwich, grow from it and 
get better from it. I, think no, I, I feel kind of sorry for those people. Like, I feel sort of a bit. Um, You're a fucking black hole, mate. I, I, can't stand <laughs> I feel you, sorry. Like, I can feel sorry for them, but not want to be around them. Yeah, of course. Like that, yeah. I yeah, don't yeah. even feel sorry for the fuckers because they bring it on themselves. It's that miserable, p- poor, pitiful me attitude that puts them there. They spend their whole lives wondering why everything works against them. And it's like, well, actually, if you weren't such a negative, miserable cunt, maybe things wouldn't always but go not against you. The thing is, not everything does work against people. It's totally how you see yeah. it. Do you know what I mean? Like, so you're not, you know, the fact you're still alive, you can probably take that. The fact, you know, you. Yeah, the fact we exist in the first place. Yeah, the fact that you're able to complain about it in the first place, all this stuff, you know, probably means that life isn't all that terrible. But it's the mindset. And I think that's actually really. I mean, it's simple to change. It's not easy, but it's probably really simple to change. In the yeah. same way, you know, it'd be simple to Just take a bunch of LSD. <laughs> in many ways, in many, but I mean, at, at one point, for, uh, you know, back in the sixties and seventies, that probably was a lot of people's yeah. reaction. You know, like if they were like, "Oh, I'm feeling down," someone around them probably like, "You should some LSD. This <laughs> probably a really yeah. good idea." Whereas now, it's like that's changed because you know, the social but, stigma behind it is so yeah, so which is really weird. Like, uh, yeah, I think that's so, un- uh, in terms unusual. of uh, like drugs. Do you, would you legalize all drugs or some drugs or any drugs? Um, I mean, like without getting the nitty gritty of what yeah. I, I think that the fact that LSD specifically and other hallucinogenics are illegal, and I know it sounds like a, a super druggy thing to say, but I genuinely think it's like an infringement on people's rights um, on right on their yeah. human rights. Yeah, is that because you think that they're plants? They're like natural things. Well, that's the way I look at it, and and some people kind of say as well that the government have a vested interest in restricting people's consciousness because they'd yeah. rather people be narrow-minded and worrying about the bills and all of that. When you start fucking around with LSD and shit, to my knowledge, people stop playing by the rules. They they, yeah, they, sure. they start thinking of outside the box and stop thinking about, all right, I've got a gas bill, I've got a tax pay, and all that. they start thinking about, why are we all here? And yeah, when you start like, thinking about that is when you start really, like... You don't conform yeah. as much, and that's that's basically what the whole hippie movement was. Mm. I mean, I wish they did it in like a a less disgusting manner. You know, <laughs> it's really very cliche. Get, like, yeah, it? if you really want to get a revolution, just like shower. You know, people might get behind you, but <laughs> I, I think that it. Yeah, I think it's exactly. I think it really does open up people's minds and their consciousness. And, Do you feel like you're a modern day hippie? I mean, yeah, kind of. Mm. I. I also am getting really dug into capitalism, so that's yeah. You're, like, you're kind of conflicted. Yeah. Do you ever do you ever have that in your head where like, what road am I fucking going down? Yeah, because in one way, um, you you seem quite like a spiritual sort of free sort of guy. So I think that for me, I'm I'm okay with trying to make as much money as I can in my life, with the knowledge that at some point over the next however many years of my life, I'm going to give it all away again. Um, and that's generally it. I just want to like just remember us, mate. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> True Geordie podcast looking for a sponsor. Yeah. The fucking worst idea of my life, by the way. When I went on a the fucking Channel Four thing, uh, I went on a show called How to Get So Rich. And really? I had like a fifteen minute thing, like fifteen minutes of fame. Uh-huh. And the the killer combo I found is mentioning that you have loads of money, which the show did for me, and then mentioning that you want to help people with that money. I got so many fucking messages. People being like, "Oh, well, he wants to help people." I'm people. Fucking don't don't <laughs> message him. <laughs> don't just leave him alone. He does want to help people though. So I, get in the fucking queue, you cunts. Yeah. <laughs> I want to help people, but on like a larger scale, and the people that want. You're that talking about actual, not specific one by one cases where someone's like, "I need me gas bill paying," but what you're trying to do is do like greater good. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, I want to. I want to go to fucking all the countries that have all these problems that are getting fucked over by all the countries that we we're in, and mm. then sort shit out. You know. Yeah, like so people who are starving and, and, and don't have clean water and these sort of yeah, exactly. serious things. Yeah, I'm not gonna yeah. worry about buying someone a boat. Like that was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I just need a narrowboat. You know, sometimes sometimes you need a narrowboat. Yeah. What if you needed the narrowboat to get to one of those countries? Oh uh, yeah. Teach no, him I, sh- I should have asked. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Huh? yeah. Give a man a boat. <laughs> and he will float for a for, year. For yeah. A, yeah. Give a man a fish, and you know he can't float at all. <laughs> fish is fucking wow, useless. Man, you, we should write this down. This it's is deep. This <laughs> is, this is, we did a lot of drugs before we came on. Yeah. So I just wanna, uh, uh, <laughs> and do you, do you ever? It would probably be a really bad idea to cross the drugs and the poker side of things. No. Uh, no. <laughs> no. The opposite. Actually, yeah. Fuck that. Do you have um, you ever done that and then like sort of seen you know someone's cards coming out the top of the head or something okay so like drugs is obviously like a big umbrella um i could probably just flick through the ones that are good and bad so i've, I've tried pretty much most of them lsd in large dosage worst you can possibly get to i spent like half an hour trying to work out which was bigger out of a king or a queen mm-hmm. just been like is it sexist to think kings are better yeah no, no. <laughs> um sometimes they yeah, are maybe mushrooms king were <laughs> mushrooms were fine but only at the end of the the trip. Right. Speed was the best by far. Just because it's speed makes you fucking creative. It makes you really driven, really focused. Um, fucks your teeth, mate. Fucks your teeth. Fucks your teeth. Speed. Because you've got you're... a couple of family members who've lost a few teeth to speed. Because you're grinding them. Oh, uh, do you mean from the gurning? No, I mean no, would do the same. Then. Just. I'm warning you, mate. Yeah, speed yeah. fucks your teeth. I, my uncle's teeth, he's got barely a tooth in his fucking head. Because of speed? He was a quote-unquote speed freak. Um, oh, wow. So he was yeah. in Tron. Mm. So, I mean, to be fair, though, he's in a council estate now. He hasn't got 5.7 million to sort his teeth out. Yeah. You have. Don't worry about it. <laughs> good point. It's fine, really. Yeah. Take That's all the speed really you point. want. Keep yeah. some of that money for your teeth. Yeah, <laughs> That's no, genuinely. That is, that's a true fucking story. Like, his teeth... Oh fucked! What does speed do to your teeth? Huh? What does speed do? I think an undescribed way. Yeah, yeah in a completely undescribed way, we don't know. No, tr- don't trust us. Ev- I know a few people other than him who've who yeah. also taken speed. Have lost teeth that's, to speed. That sounds legit. I'm being serious, man. I'm not even joking. Don't these these are the disclaimers. We I'm not questioning you. I'm just. Saying, I'm just saying. My like, uncle. Uh, yeah, he took a lot of. He, I mean, he's taken everything. To be honest, he's a fucking smack rat. Right. But anyway. Anyway, back to another smack rat. Kids out all these years later. Is he? He's got about 10, 12 kids, something like that. It's wow. just impressive dedication. No, well, I mean, having sperm is just, it's genetic, really. It's, it's the one thing <laughs> me and that cunt have got in common. Having surplus sperm. Yeah, surplus sperm. <laughs> we could fucking populate Texas. Anyway. You probably have. Um, uh, so what else have you What else have you done in there? Um, Coke's pretty good for some, pretty bad for others, depending if you can stay focused. I, um, I would imagine that keeps you wired, does it? Yeah. It, it like makes you focus on two smaller details, for me at least, anyway. Um, you know, when you just get really focused on like the little things. Right. Um, weed is fine short-term, but fucks you up long-term. There are a bunch of poker players that would have been so much more successful if they didn't have weed, probably. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much the ones that I've tried. Does anyone, does anyone go the other way and sort of take, like, the same as snooker players, take, like, beta blockers, those kind of things? Not that I'm aware of. They might do. Oh, microdosing. Someone someone that I know who's won, like, a couple of million in the last half year just always microdosing. It's pretty sick. What's that? Microdosing it's LSD. Very, very small amounts of it all the time. Oh. LSD, yeah, specifically. So and why? Like, like, just to always keep you on, like, a very low level, sort of... By the sounds of it, it just, like, it keeps you, like, very wired and very empathetic so you can kind of get in other people's heads and it's like creative and stuff and yeah. I'm really I'm really 
I, I really want to try that one. That is actually quite interesting because I listen to a podcast. People say I, I mean, I'm always like, listening to a podcast. Promote I li- it. No, I, listen, I was I was listening <laughs> to a podcast. podcast. No, no, I was listening to a podcast, and it was really interesting because there, there was a woman on this podcast who, when she watched, people have women on podcasts. When no, 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 she no, no, watched, so it's a myth. yeah, she was watching someone else eat, and she was so her brain was so empathetic to the other person that she felt the food in her mouth. So she could not eat with other people because she was so empathetic. I'm just wondering if, like, I have the same thing when uh, I watch porn and I can almost feel the vagina <laughs> yeah. gliding up. No, no, so, right, okay. So, but I mean, the, the what kind of porn do you watch? I mean, what do, what don't I watch? Yeah. <laughs> I probably watch every single type of porn you can imagine. What's the sickest porn you've ever watched? Um, the weirdest one that I seen while we're on the porn subject yeah. was one that me mate showed us. So I'm not too. Oh yeah, okay. It. <laughs> it's like a regular. No, yeah, I mean, I have no shame. So it's, it's on the favourites bar. The it was what I what I chosen. I would tell you, but you know, right. come on now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good uh, point. This yeah. was Japanese, mate. This was this was one that back in the day of college, your mates would be like, "Have you seen this shit?" And you'd be like, "No fucking way." And she's, um, <laughs> I think she had like fish or tadpoles. Uh, in our arse right and they'd like put a funnel in there and put them all in there and then she'd like spray them out of her arsehole that was the weirdest shit I've ever is seen is that pornography though or is that just weird to me the fact that it involves a naked woman probably yeah. makes it porn I think, I think right. technically that's going to yeah. be porn how about you mate? any weird porn you've ever seen any, or any things you've ever seen in person because obviously poker players they, they obviously get up to shit we all know that what kind of shit we all know that I mean <laughs> the stereotypical poker player really doesn't um, just you I don't <laughs> we'll get that uh, the, I, don't know, I don't watch that much porn when I do great. I generally get more interested in like the story behind it yeah and as soon as the fuck the actual fucking starts I'm just like not that interested oh well yeah flick yeah. so you need that to be like the reason behind this you yeah can't like, just have, like, like putting yeah. putting emotion into it putting I, I feel like very I, I, I find it very difficult to be sexually attracted to someone if I don't have an emotional pull towards porn's them. improving for that these days though yeah. right. why the, 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 the camera quality is getting a lot better right um, and the acting is it's it's getting a little bit better to be fair they're putting more backstories in I think yeah. Uh, yeah, Porn's improving. Okay. I've got a couple of friends that are into like they do porn, mm. and they they said that like the are fe- they male or female performers? Female, and they said that there's a large movement of the feminist movement to try and make feminist porn. Mm. So it would be instead of like objectifying a girl and being like, oh, this little slut doing whatever I want to my dick, it'd just be like, oh, this is a person. So what doing like? whatever I want yeah, to my yeah, dick. Yeah, yeah. I've noticed that there's like categories for like girls now, which is like girl friendly porn, where like. Yeah. It won't be as just textbook bloke porn. Like it'll be a bit more softer, a bit more gentler. Yeah. Do you know Shot I mean? with a bit of Vaseline on the lens, isn't it? A like. little bit more uh, <laughs> foreplay. Okay, you know I've that? always been a bit worried with porn that it's gonna like change my preferences for what I like in fucking. Mm. Of course it will. Like it, it has to, right? And give you like these weird expectations that a girl's gonna like spit on your dick or something like that. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know, mm-hmm. that. but then yeah, nothing wrong with it. You know, I mean, yeah. Well, I suppose if someone likes that, they like that. They like their that. own. Why not? But yeah, yeah. God bless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love the way that you you somehow managed to make that sound like some sort of a blessing to a girl who's doing that. And God bless you, my darling. Um, anyway, so back uh, back to this thing. I was just wondering, this woman could feel the food. I'm just wondering whether poker players have a similar skill where they can almost read someone else's joyful expressions or like read whether someone's. Well, they you know, pull a t- card and they're like and they're looking at it. You can almost 
feel it. But I mean, on, yeah, on like a subconscious level. What not on, yeah, not on like a conscious. So you're not like, oh, his eye twitch. It's you like know, when you you can feel someone's looking at you. You almost develop this ability. Do you, do you, you guys, you guys empathetic people. Yeah. Just as a precursor. Do you think you're empathetic? Uh, um, no, I I don't feel like I am. If I'm watching the telly and something emotional happens. As I'm getting older, I've noticed I get a bit more like if it's something really emotional and it's a real person, not a film, yeah. has to be real. I can get a bit like oh, fucking hell, fucking hell, it's quite emotional like watching this. Yeah. But like in general, I think I'm a pretty hard faced cunt. So I don't know. This, this is the answer. Uh, and then I think I'm quite empathetic. Like I think I my my natural reaction is to read other people quite well. Yeah. But I think I'll then consciously d- deny my empathy. <laughs> so, so that's I'm why not I, emotional. Fuck that. No, no, I, not that I would get emotional to it, but I yeah. would I, like my reaction to it is different. Maybe not always a beneficial reaction. You know <laughs> what I mean? So I'm actually quite good at sort of reading someone else's reaction to, and then making an awkward joke. Yeah. But like that's so I've trained myself to do that. So I imagine I could train myself to also read someone else and then do something that's probably beneficial. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think because I know you so well now. I think whenever we're talking to someone and probably maybe this is why the podcast has worked like we come at things from totally different angles me yeah. and you yeah I've noticed that it's yeah. so hey guys how you doing just going to stop the podcast there just for one second to tell you that this episode of the True Jolly podcast is sponsored by betonbrazil.com it's a new betting site for all sports punters with great odds markets and offers listeners to this podcast can now get a free £10 when they deposit £10 just by using the promo code TRUE10 T-R-U-E-1-0 keep those all in capitals just visit betonbrazil.com and enter the promo code TRUE10 when you deposit your £10 and you'll get £10 for free also look out for our daily happy hour offers between 5 and 6pm you can sign up at betonbrazil.com over 18s only offer is for new customers only terms apply betting should be fun so please gamble responsibly I, my brain is not on the same wavelength it's like genuinely like an angel yeah. and devil it really is <laughs> <laughs> someone has to mock that up yeah we'll get a good photoshop out there me and him as the angel and devil yeah well someone's also started a quote account on twitter which oh, is quite oh, entertaining really? yeah. Oh, yeah shout out to fans that's, yeah. that's sick yeah it's got like 300 followers already which is quite <laughs> impressive that, it'll be past cool. me in a day so but do you think you're an empathetic person uh, yeah so I was going to say I, I think okay first of all I think there are two different types of empathy there's the type where you like feel what the other person's feeling and there's then I think there's the, the more cognitive side where you just like th- you can understand exactly. what, why they're feeling it. I am on the first type, probably like bottom three percent in the world. Mm. I would say just like I have a very very low empathy, and I, it's going up as I go. But when I was younger and I was drug dealing, doing things like that, I definitely identified myself as a very sociopathic person. You have to be called when you when you're given someone something that might be bad for them yeah. right yeah you have to shut off you have to be like this is your decision yeah. you fucking do that I, I, th- I think the reason it happened for me is because when I was bullied my th- my brain came up with a defense mechanism and it was like fuck this we don't like emotions they're not good for us and it just made me not feel them until I was like 20 so much. you think that if if you hadn't have done that you would have been more vulnerable and more and it would have hurt sure. you more, more open yeah, it's, it's like a, a well known defense mechanism I went to a therapist mm. a couple of times and he told me the name for it it's did it work? Like, uh, it was fine. Like, how, how did you find therapy? I, I mean, I, I genuinely think therapy is one of the best things that people can do. And I, I imagine a bunch of the people watching would be like, "Fucking therapy, sure, <laughs> get get, it, get out of here." But um, I, I think that it can help pretty much anyone. Um, yeah. Just as long as you're open to it. Yeah, as, as as long as you are willing to speak about yourself openly. And I think that I really like that about you that you don't like hold back on anything, because the more you tell people the real you 
the more you're going to learn about yourself because you get other people's perspectives. Mm. You get other people saying, oh, this is this is you and this is how I see you. And then you can take that on board. And a therapist is fucking trained to I'll do t- I'll tell you what, if there's one thing that makes you analyse yourself, it's when you put like a full massive conversation you have out every week on the internet sure, and then you've yeah, got yeah. thousands of comments of people analysing you as they're watching and saying, yeah. well, you were wrong on this or you were right on that. Or, Good, done, well done this or bad that. And yeah, it does make you... But then I think the more that I just put it out there, it's like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> it? This <laughs> you, is me. Do you get many negative comments? I think everyone does on the internet. They, yeah, it, it, I like, get fucking loads. Yeah, you'll, you'll get them. We, we all get them, but it's it's how you deal with them. It's like you're saying about going through a trip or whatever, any any yeah. shit. It's how you deal with it. It is actually a little bit of a trippy experience because you're... you're you know, this is someone else you don't know. It's sort of like an out of body experience, well, giving you feedback on the way that you are. How many people will go yeah. through that? In that, because to us, it's it's normality now. But for so many people, just even we've had people who even got mentioned on this show were like, "Don't mention me on the show." Like, people freak the fuck out because really? they don't want to come under that scrutiny. But putting yourself out there for hundreds of thousands of people to see and be like, "Oh yeah, this is me." If you like, it's great. If you don't, that's a shame. I, I yeah. can also respect when people don't want to be mentioned. Or, you know, they, I, I'm not saying you don't respect that, but I also think there's some, there is I'm something... I'm saying it's an unusual thing for anyone to go through. It's unnatural yeah, in many ways because it's not, you know, there's not really any other way. You know, you wouldn't walk down the street every day and sort of be like, these are my political views. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah. These are my political views. That would also take so long. And, and, but it's <laughs> different though because, you know, like for actual celebrities or and musicians and that, they put their movies out there. You know, they might read a bad review on a newspaper, but they're not going to literally read all the comments after the content that they've put out. Like, it's a lot more nitpicky isn't it well I also think that obviously a celebrity is a very different kind of figure because those people are held up as separate to people whereas actually your your brand yeah your brand or your idea is much more like you know me you know what I mean yeah so anyway you get a lot of negative comments where'd you get your comments what are the chances someone that dressed like this get lots of negative comments (laughs) oh my god (laughs) Um, yeah the, the general comments of like apart from people bitching about other people's poker game which happens a lot um in what way like sort of like you, you can look at a hand and be like oh, i would have played that differently and it went badly because sometimes poker goes badly and yeah people are just like oh it's fucking crap look at that well, retrospect is, it. yeah hindsight's like <laughs> yeah, 2020 exactly. yeah when you can see the other person's cards when you're watching on tv it's fucking easy yeah but, yeah, um, yeah when you got the glass table or, or, or do you ever have people who say when you've won oh, well, you, you are lucky there though you were like uh, yeah. you even take away credit from the win yeah for as sure. well yeah i had a couple of posts on lad bible and that's where i got like the first time i got pretty ripped into oh, right. people were just being like oh Great. give 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 this cocky fucker a year he's gonna be broke did lad bible give you the hundred quid for the clip or uh no no, no. They, no. They, they owe you money yeah. Fuck, yeah. It's twice then yeah 200 quid. 200 quid that's yeah. that's almost a you've been framed video <laughs> so um so, but d- does that really bother you like do you, you, when you first got started Obviously, you're quite au fait with the idea of probability. When someone calls you lucky, do you ever sort of think, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, don't, don't, don't talk about me in that way? Do you yeah, know for sure I mean? I'm lucky. Like, it's one of the things that luck is such a nuanced word. Like, I, I got lucky that I found poker. I got lucky that I happened to be good at it. I got lucky for winning a bunch of tournaments that you know I could have not won them. You know? Yeah. No, and there's luck involved in poker as well. Do you think there's any fate involved? I mean... I think that there is a very low percentage chance that there is fate involved. I would like to believe that there is. I would like to believe that there's something like karma. And I think it's one of the things that you can kind of harness. Like if you convince yourself that karma exists and that fate exists and that you're going to get good things when you do good things, you can just. I'm not not even necessarily. 
I find karma hard to believe because I've seen such amazing people, lovely people, get served shit sandwiches. So yeah, exactly. I've given up on karma. I don't think that exists. But fate, as in maybe this happened, this is all pre-planned. Like, how did you even find poker? Um, so my friend introduced it to me on when he started playing online. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess when he first tried, I didn't think it was going to be very legit and that's where I, I played a bit of play money at first and eventually it was like okay, £10 I put it in how old um, were you? it was like 4 years ago so 19 oh, years. Um, and you were just a regular dude 19 yeah. and then within 4 years you're a fucking millionaire yeah that is that's fucking mad that it's lucky you know it but it lucky. is, but you've you've grinded to get there as well. So yeah. it's hard work. It's that old saying of um, "luck is what happens when preparation meets chance," isn't yeah, it? And, sure. and I, I think I might have wrote the harder you work, the luckier you are. Essentially, well, that, that's definitely the way it usually works for most yeah. people. It really resonated with me when you said that you were waking up every morning thinking about YouTube's and thinking about mm. everything. Because I remember, like, it still happens now. I'm just like super obsessed with the game. I love it so much, and that's exactly I, the way I am with YouTube. Yeah. You're still, still now, just like waking up. More like, than what, ever. How would I phrase this and what would I speak to about it? Oh, that's cool. What about, you You mentioned you have obviously travelled the world. Yeah. You're a young lad, got a lot of money. Women have come into your life, right? <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, where's the best place you've been? Yeah. <laughs> you can pick that one up. Because sure, I want to ask about the women. Sure, you go. There's everyone on the shoulders saying what? <laughs> you, you have like, uh, you've got a free love sort of attitude, haven't you? You're a... <laughs> Hold on a minute. I, 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 There's context. Yeah, yeah. I've asked them about this private, personally yeah, beforehand, yeah. and you, you sort of, you don't play by the rules. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I am polyamorous, which means that um, I date and my partners date multiple people at once, uh, all consensually, all okay and um, why are you looking at me as if you have to justify it to me I don't know okay <laughs> right, because, don't know. because don't know he's over there like you've done it <laughs> you fucking nailed it in his um, mind yeah I don't know. it's just one no of wonder he that, starts proud yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, and was that how long has that been the case like were you polyamorous when you were 19 going into doing poker or has that sort of come up because it's sort of like, hey, I live a pretty decadent lifestyle. Pretty cool. I can afford to be polyamorous. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're not putting um, me down, you bastards. Hey, Polly, come over here. <laughs> um, Let's go to the Emirates. So when I was like 15, I, I was like, without knowing what poly meant, um, I was dating multiple people and they all knew about each other. Right. But that wasn't as ethical and it probably wasn't okay. I was, right. I was a sociopathic asshole back then. I was right. like, um, and I had a pretty bad run in with monogamy. Uh, I know it's like a pretty badly stigma thing, but I used to cheat on people. Right. So I had no empathy, I had no emotions, and I feel bad about it now, but I did, so whatever. Okay. Um, but I, I found that I didn't need to be feeling guilty or ashamed of my romantic and sexual attraction towards other people in a polyamorous lifestyle. And I also really love the idea of not owning someone. Yeah. So like, yeah. I think I think one thing I've realized as I get older is it is a bit silly how, like, when you when you're young, personally anyway, I, I felt like I couldn't even say it to a girl I was with. See that girl over there, she's pretty fit. Do you know? And for her to say it to me, oh, he's a good-looking dude, and like, I think that even having those conversations is like, a, yeah, God, like, you can't oh. even do that a lot of the time. Like regular couples don't do that. Sure. And I don't think it's. I think. I mean, obviously, I don't know how many people are taking it to the level you have, but I think that everyone should be able to say. 
that we we are we're a bloke like I'm a bloke she's a woman it's unrealistic for me to think that she's only going to fucking fancy me for the rest of her fucking life it's ridiculous in fact it's not even unrealistic so even though I might not want to say it it was I can't live in denial and and as soon as I kind of realised that I was like I'm happy to have conversations with her last now and if she jokes and says such and such even watching TV and be like oh he's a good look it wouldn't bother me and I can understand how if you're in the situation you're in how you would take it to that yeah and it it is like that it's like theoretically conceptually I love the idea of not feeling bad about anything I love working instead of feeling jealousy and just like running away from being like no she doesn't love anyone else mm-hmm. and just like opening up and being like oh okay so you have feelings for that person as well you can be with that person in practice it does get a bit like if you have insecurities if you get jealous and it, it can get a bit messy but it, yeah. I really feel like working through it is better do, than running do you ever think you'll get to a position where you have uh, you move on and you have one woman and only one woman I think that I might get in the position where I'm dating only one person but with the knowledge that if she or I wanted to date other people then it would be allowed but mm. we might make the decision that we only want to be with each other uh-huh. kind of thing or, or maybe you'd have like a, a priority and say like alright like you're the main one and I might fuck other women but you're the one I'll come home to yeah that, that, that's the thing within poly community as well it's called hierarchical polyamory where you have like a primary and a secondary and or you can just have one primary and then you can fuck around and you make your own rules and it's just nice you can just do whatever Plays you want by his own rules <laughs> what, that, well, I mean it, what does sound interesting is obviously uh, my um, my idea of polyamory comes from uh, you know the, those documentaries about like the guys who've got three wives they're, and those they're sort of things so bad. They're, and they're awful because Are it tends to also be my four wives uh, I'm not sure. Ten minutes of it, like like yeah. three days ago. And I, how accurate was it? <laughs> well, obviously he's <laughs> living with guy. them, yeah, so yeah, I would yeah. assume it's a little bit different because he's got loads of kids. He's got a shit ton of kids. They're just yeah. popping out. He he's literally rotating. So like Monday he's in with one wife, Tuesday another, Wednesday Thursday. As, as it goes on. What do you on. do when they're all having kids? That must be all. Must well, obviously if one of them, wife if right. one of them's right. the off, just move on. But it, yeah. it literally it was so funny because like I was watching this series and he had four wives and they were all bit overweight, bit older, and then they were all like blondie brute like yeah. like sort of blondie looking women. And then out of nowhere, once they all get in a bit of that like fat stage of their life he just goes and goes got a new wife haven't I <laughs> I tell you and in comes this fucking 25 year old fit brunette through the door tight arse on her and he's like yeah bruh, just moving her in you know and I'm sitting there going but I don't know how he does it though because women one woman is a fucking nightmare like if, if, you're, if you've got like a, a, a missus or a, a girlfriend you're living with one woman is hard to keep happy the expectations the attention the questions you know what we do like, they, they want so much from you how the fuck he keeps four or five of the bastards happy the, the expectations of the, their women must be rock bottom how do you do it <laughs> open and communicate and stuff it, like that it, but it also does sound a lot like you aren't very wedded to the idea of keeping someone else happy in the sense of being like I'm not saying you're a selfish person but it's you're a not different sort of situation like, to being married yeah, to four women it, in, a, in a house with them all well also because that sounds very much like four women who want one man whereas it, that you, is, that that's is, not the reason yeah. you do what you do is it you're not sort of like I want to have an open network of just women yeah exactly yeah. Um, I, I just do it because I, I just don't like the idea of constricting someone else and I want to make the people that I'm with happy pretty much right so if I really love someone and I get it this isn't for everyone and I don't think that this is like better than monogamy or anything but I like the idea for myself of of if they if I'm like on the other side of the world and they happen to have romantic feelings with someone else and 
So have your little adventure, you know. So you you ever uh, fucked a woman and then one of the other lasses found out and being like mental? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's tell us what the worst reactions. What 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 we looking at and what happened? No. <laughs> I'm so happy to say anything about myself, but <laughs> I have a feeling that my partners might not might not appreciate oh, that one. So if you're watching girls, um, you know he's a good guy. He's, <laughs> he's not going to for you, all of you. When you heard about that idea, did you did you ever think uh, you know you could achieve that? Yeah, do you reckon you might be Polly one day? Uh, so, um, Are you I'm, deflating or? Um, I'll just be like, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, genuinely, I mean, just not having a main woman, I can imagine for a lot of men out there, they think, fuck me, I, I could do that. Because women are hard work at times, and yeah. I can imagine why a man would just avoid that situation. Do you know what I mean? You're thinking I'm, of it from quite a cynical perspective. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> graph I want to be, be with multiple people so I don't have to be with one. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not even saying that. I'm, I'm just saying from a point of... Well, A, we're all growing up in a generation where we're watching porn, right? And, yeah. uh, and, and porn, you're seeing a different woman every night. You're having a wank over a different woman every night and your brain is getting used to having multiple women before you even get to the point of having relationships. I was used to, tonight I think I'm going to watch uh, a lass who looks like Jennifer Lopez tomorrow. Right. Yeah. It should look like Britney Spears, for okay. example, right? And, and that was what I came from, right? So then going to having one woman for... 20, 30, 40 years after my brain has been trained to that it's probably quite difficult okay yeah I, th- I think that's true and I think that that's a large reason and it's like biologically as well men are just like meant to spread their seed a lot you know it's like you f- we get right we, we get a lot of, we get a lot of feelings we get a lot of sexual attraction and it's kind of weird that we've now created a society where men can't do that without being looked on negatively or women or, or women, yeah. yeah. And women even more so, like, to be fair. Like, oh, yeah, for women sure. Women get, get a lot more work. shit. Yeah. So, have you ever felt a bit like when you've heard one of the, uh, the girls has possibly gone with another bloke, have you ever gotten a bit fucking pissed off about it? Or? I've never got pissed off. I've got, like, insecure and uh-huh. been like, you're not going to leave him to be mono, leave me to be mono with him, like, monogamous with mm-hmm. him, are you? And as soon as I find out that they're not, I'm usually fine. Um, I found that. I tend not to get too jealous when it comes to sexual stuff, just more with like the emotional mm-hmm. side of it. It's just like, eh. Do you find because because um, I don't know what kind of girls these are? Obviously, you yeah. don't want to tell her anything. No, yeah, I can well, tell you about them. I, I just don't I mean, want to say like you, that. You, you, knew, you knew a couple of porn stars earlier. Was that in a in a intimate way? Uh no, but shame. No, yeah. But did you find that any of them, because you've got money and obviously you're young? Did they ever ask you for money or anything? Have you ever had situations where you thought she's trying to fucking get a few quid out of me, this cunt? I've had that with people that aren't my partners. <laughs> I think that it's like very difficult to tell sometimes when you first meet people mm. if they already know you have money. Uh-huh. Um, so I try to when I first meet people not mention it. And like I've met people on dating websites and I don't have anything about money on there. I say that I'm a poker player, but you turn people, up in your pajamas, they'll never. Fuck yeah, exactly, they're never gonna ask me to pay for it all. <laughs> yeah. And then it'll be something once I get to know them, then it'll come out yeah. a bit more. Um, with my current partners, most of them knew me before uh-huh. I had success. I think maybe half and half. All right. Um, yeah, I, I I don't think it's it's a problem as long as you can get to the point where you can recognise who's who's, who's being a crafty bitch. You know. Yeah. Who is being a crafty bitch? Is anyone being a cra- Yeah, yeah. Same. Some people that message me on uh, Instagram and Facebook and yeah. I guess so, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Do you so within the poker community have you had a bit of 
like attention from the women in, in that area as well. Yeah, but um, I mean, I I don't count myself as a particularly attractive person. I don't count myself as a particularly like engaging person for women or anything. But I I feel like. But you're 23 and you're a multi-millionaire poker player, so you're you're fucking different though. You've got that going for you, pal. Beat <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I don't think he's low on self-esteem. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't know. I'm pretty low on self-esteem, yeah. actually. Yeah. I, I'm pretty low. In what way? I don't know. I just um, If you get bullied most of your life, then it's very difficult to see yourself when you're getting told every day you're ugly, you're getting told every day you're going to be a failure, you're going to hear about shit. Like, it's pretty hard to not believe it to some extent, even if honestly... Even now? Do you feel like that's yeah, left sure. like lasting insecurities? Yeah, definitely. And there are just like a couple of things I'm working through. Like, the reason I have long, shitty hair is because I don't like my face. And it's, uh, genuinely, if I have hair out without it being in my face, I feel like a piece well, of shit. Well, when I seen you, I genuinely, like, the picture, I thought, that guy does not look like a fucking superstar fucking young poker player right I thought that yes. you look very no offence no no, no I, I take that as a compliment you don't look confident at no. all like that image does not come across as someone who's like like 22 like 23 here I am I'm fucking killing the game like because yeah. if I had been your age and, and had that success I wouldn't have acted that way um, so is there a point where you feel like you're going to change um, I think that money's probably not going to change me. Um, you see it happening a lot in poker, that you'll get a bunch of people who are just like nerdy uh -huh. losers, basically, in school. They would have had no validation from women, no validation from peers, no validation from public, and then they become a ludicrously successful poker player, and suddenly they're the shit, you know? Mm. And their whole identity becomes poker, and everything about them becomes how much money they've made, because that's what gives them that validation. So I think that that happens quite a lot with yeah. a lot of people. But when I came into poker, I just kind of like heard about it. And I was like, I don't want that to happen to me. You know? Do you, do you ever feel like rubbing it in the faces of those bullies who? So like, th there's always going to be a small part of you that wants to, you know, like whoever whoever you are. Um, I've had messages from like probably over a dozen people that used to bully me on some level, um, saying congratulations, that's pretty sick what you're doing. And I think from their point of view they don't really remember how bad it was I'm and sure they don't yeah when you're dishing out the the pain and you're, it's just a joke and yeah, it's, it's exactly, a laugh sure. you you don't realize the psychological thing of you've got you're getting up to go to school in the morning thinking I really don't want to fucking yeah. go there yeah I, I just skip school so much of the yeah. time and I kind of like I'm probably a lot dumber now than I would have been because I stayed at home watching, like, playing computer games the drugs can't be helping so. <laughs> it's also the drugs it, helping. <laughs> it's a cumulative effect though isn't it it's like it's not just if it's you know like some someone could make a small comment but then someone else chips in with another comment and it's sort of yeah, it's a snowball sure. effect yeah. I remember I had this moment when I was at a festival uh, last year or something and someone came up to me and it's like oh yeah Charlie Charlie yeah, congratulations on the poker thing and do you, do you remember in, in middle school just like do you, do you remember this like the whole school was bullying you and I was like yeah I remember yeah. thanks man <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously were you tripping balls then or was that a real person uh, no, that, was, that was a real person just for bringing I that may up have, yeah. I may have been tripping balls at the same time but I remember it yeah. <laughs> it happened he was there yeah. you can't tell me otherwise yeah. So I do you ever feel like um, did you ever think do I bring this on myself that I'm getting bullied like yeah, almost sure. like you were an easy target in any way yeah I mean I have or had definitely and still probably do a lot of the qualities that make someone easy to pick on like mm -hmm. I was highly autistic um, had uh, diagnosed with Asperger's I'd like to say it doesn't come across quite as much now but still like at times um I mean, I mean, I, I had that question banked. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like the next one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but you obviously 
having met people with autism myself, I I don't think you're anywhere near as bad as some people I've met. Yeah. Like, I, and the thing is, I used to be. And uh, um, I think the defense mechanism I had when I was a kid turned into more of a sociopathic. And the link between autism and sociopathy is actually kind of huge because uh, uh, the lack of empathy and the lack of emotions. And right, yeah. um, so I think I kind of tended towards that, which gave me a bit more confidence and a bit more. Well, as a communicator, you, I would imagine you've come on amazingly. Yeah, for sure. I, I used to not be able to make eye contact. I used to not be able to understand anyone's emotions. Not used to not be able to just like say a sentence without having some kind of weird intonation that everyone would be like, what are you saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it was definitely... How have, you, how have you done that? Like, how have you grown like through that? Um, I think just a lot. And I think this happened, this is why I've been pretty successful in poker as well. I've, it's just a lot of self-criticism and, and analysis. Yeah. So um, I'm sure you do it as well for YouTubing as well, just like scroll through. It's one of my worst qualities is criticizing myself and other I think people. It's probably one of your best. It makes you very honest with yourself, but it also means that you very rarely compliment yourself as well. Yeah. Like, is there's no well, I, then I don't think you're self-critical. No, I, I joke on, but do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> within my mind, yeah, I don't ever say, "Oh, you're fucking great, mate." Like, yeah. I, I never think that. Never you give yourself a pat on the back. I always think four hundred thousand. Right now, five hundred. Yeah, like, for it, sure. I never stop and smell the roses. That's a funny one because you can be, you can obviously enjoy the moment, but you can also want something else. Do you know what I mean? Do you think that's that you so don't feel? You don't feel like you have that balance. I, th- I I don't think until I hit a million subscribers that I'll ever, ever stop and say... Why can't you be satisfied with what, what, you, what you have right now? I can really relate to that. It's a fear that that comfort and that happiness will breed laziness and, and, right. and get me to be complacent. So until I hit a million subscribers, I'm never going to pat myself on the yeah. back, basically. Okay, yeah, right. But it's then like- I, maybe I'll hit that. Because yeah. uh, I'm, sure you, I'm sure you've hit milestones. Yeah, for sure. Where you thought million. you would relax and chill out, and you haven't. Do you remember your first? Do you remember? Me, do you remember when you realised that you were a millionaire? Yeah, I remember the first time. I, I think I'd actually been a millionaire for like a week or something before then. And you just sort of opened um, the fridge and were like, "Look at all this money! Oh, I found another hundred on the no. yeah. Um <laughs> I, I just like when. In, in the poker world your money's kind of like in a lot of different places so you have a bunch online you have a bunch in this bank in that currency in cash and it's pretty hard to just like keep track of it all the time and occasionally I'll just do a little count in my head and be like and I remember the first time I was like oh is that over yes yeah. <laughs> don't, t- don't mention it to anyone but <laughs> yeah do you, and, and then your, your dad walks in and is like don't be getting complacent now there's another <laughs> yeah. five million to make don't be enjoying that yeah, yeah exactly you have two million I so do you have someone who keeps track of that for you is it, or is that all your personal responsibility you don't have like a banker or like an no, accountant or someone me and it probably shouldn't be just me I've fucked it so many times <laughs> I've been scammed quite a bunch like, I'm a very really? scammable person I don't in know. what way like um so i'll just like lend this polyamorous money. thing <laughs> i will I, I will just like take someone's word for it that they've paid me back or mm. that they don't owe me money because i mean i don't do it as much anymore but at the beginning of my poker career because i was just like i would never fuck someone over it just seems like the dumbest thing to do your yeah. name is just dragged through the mud for the rest of your life what are you going to do uh so i just assumed everyone else wasn't going to you know that's um, really interesting and no, i just got fucked which is ironic because being a poker player requires you to be quite um, able to read people and be cynical and to, yeah. to pre-plan what people's next moves going to be. But also but to your hide personal, your own. Yeah. But when you're in a personal life and you switched off from that mode, you can be quite gullible at times. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Like, is it like a switch goes on when you play the game? Then 
yeah like I'm, I'm sure it happens for you when you're YouTubing as well um, like, no he's pretty much the same no, just, the same, <laughs> just the same dude to be fair you, you have not actually changed since but since the microphone's turned on so that's, that's like See? we were getting in some pretty good conversations before this I'm started. a real motherfucker this is yeah. the problem is we do all sit around and we had this conversation beforehand and then yeah we, we had all... a sick conversation and we just had to be like oh, wait right. <laughs> don't worry we'll, we'll get so into that later yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, okay start rolling now <laughs> um, but, this is gold yeah <laughs> but the so, uh, do you think at all that your uh, autism helps you read other people or do you think it's like like do you consider it to be like some sort of poker superpower not to put too much of on a point? I would say that the sociopathic side of me which is definitely still there but I, I'm trying to like slowly layer over uh, has been probably the best thing that's hap- that could have happened to my poker career and the reason for that is let's say you get in tournaments especially when you get deep in a tournament you're playing for sums of money that you're not used to playing for right. so you could buy them for a tournament for let, let's take the extreme example the, the WSB main is $10,000 every year up, up for the first prize is somewhere between 7 and $10 million wow and if you're the kind of person who gets there and you're playing each pot is probably going to be worth like four times the amount of money you have in your life and you're the kind of person that's going to brick it shit yourself not handle that very well you're not going to do well in the wrong, in the long run because yeah. that's where the big yeah. money is when the difficult situation is made and I felt that that side of me mixed with probably a bit of mindset about not caring about money I was just like completely turned me off to it and the upside of that is that I think I'd handle my shit the downside is that I don't really enjoy it when I win yeah so it's like it's a give and take but yeah it's, it's, it. it's a gift and a curse isn't it with great o- autism comes great responsibility. Nice. That's a quote. <laughs> yeah. That is a quote. Enjoy that. Okay. Uh, no, I mean, it's it, obviously I'm not mocking it. It's, it for some uh, people, it's actually a very serious. Some people, you know, not everyone's sort of lucky enough to get to any position. Yes. You know, and yeah, I think everyone. Yeah. Also, I think one of the most frustrating things that I often hear is people go, well, "I have a friend with autism." Yeah, as soon yeah, as they yeah, meet yeah. someone who has a friend who has yeah, autism, yeah. it's sort of like. So I know all about whatever you're going through because I once had a friend who wouldn't talk to me once, you know what I mean? It reminds me, though, the way he's talking about handling pressure in general. Like, in in all walks of life, people who are calm and cool under pressure are usually right at the top of of every field and the ones who bottle it or panic or brick it or have anxiety, they crumble whenever the going gets tough. Uh, Like, when we're talking about the MMA fight, like, um, people have said lately, Conor McGregor, who's, like, the main guy, obviously, in the UFC... He has the most press to do, the, the biggest hype. His fights are bigger than anyway. First fight in New York, he's fighting for the first time to be a two-weight world champion. Goes in as if it's nothing. He's so single-minded. And obviously what you're describing is a similar state of mind of just, yeah, totally. you're cold. And, but unfortunately, when you do win, it, it, it's almost like, and I've seen fighters like this who have that air of, when they win... They very rarely jump on the cage and go crazy straight away. I mean, yeah. they, they'll celebrate afterwards, but like when McGregor wins, he just. I knew I was going to do that. It's, st- yeah, it's still exactly. part of the. But he, I think he's, he's still, in that zone. Yeah. Well, he's also he realizes that's also part of the fight. Yeah. Do you know, whereas other people, that maybe he's able to compartmentalize. Mm-hmm. Do you think you're quite? Yeah, I think I think that's exactly it. I think compartmentalizing when I'm playing poker and when I'm not playing poker, and that's like genuinely one of the biggest things I found for the top poker players is that. Mm-hmm the longer they play the higher stakes the less emotional they become as a person because right. that compartmentalization starts to like seep into their actual life as well yeah and it's super tricky to get past to be honest yeah but then it also sounds like you have the the ability to 
not compartmentalized by taking LSD or sort of going yeah. the complete opposite way because it sounds a lot like what you're talking about is you've mastered a system of poker or sort of mastered to a degree you know obviously yeah, you can't yeah. master something that's a chance yeah. but you've mastered that to a level but you also need some sort of release so what's your do you have that aspect of your life? release in what sense? just sort of something you do enjoy like, well, yeah, 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 like if I was you and I had the money you had you'd be dead <laughs> I'm, no, no joke. Like, no, no. I, yeah, you, you'd be in a hospital at some point. Uh, well, it would, I would literally be living the Elvis Presley sort of like if I'm in Las Vegas. <laughs> Even worse, I'd, I'd be taking everything, doing everything, and shagging every girl that like come my way. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, do you ever have times where you just blow a fucking shitload of money and go crazy, or do you think that because you're so chilled out when it comes to money, you don't have that urge? I don't anymore. I definitely. It's not that I get the urge to blow money. It's that if something comes to my head and I want to do it then a good time a good time but do you feel like you've achieved it in that sense achieved the ability to be able to do that yeah because obviously you got to the point where you kind of have enough money that you yeah. it, you know I, so you know for someone who's on a normal salary they'll sort of be like I have to build this money up and then yeah. I get that and then they get that sense of achievement because they get the whole day yeah. do you still get that sense of achievement oh no not at all I don't think that I deserve any, anything that I have it's almost know. as if the, the world has no price tag anymore like there's no like if a normal person wanted to book a holiday they'd, they'd look through I don't know like a, an internet thing or whatever he doesn't need to look at the price tags anymore there is they're not there really yeah that's definitely and I, I, I've had to catch myself out a few times like, like everything is free in your mind yeah and oh, I don't I don't want to have that like disrespect for money and I, yeah. I, I think that now I, I like I'm trying to I'm like taking the tube everywhere I'm just like walking but you kind of have to disrespect money in order to remain good at what you do it, it in, that's in part poker. of your job isn't it I yes. think that's part of the compartmentalization is that it is so hard not to get affected by how you think about poker and how little respect you have for money in poker because if if you care about money in poker you just like it's game over from there you're, if you're the kind of person that's not going that's going to be averse to taking risks that doesn't want to make that big bluff yeah. is going to be scared of losing all their money you're just not going to be successful but then in the real world if you have that disrespect for money you're going to be a douche right yeah. i i don't want to be the kind of person that turns up to a a bar and doesn't know how much money they're spending on a drink when everyone else does you know because I know how much money I, I know how much good money can do in the world you, mm -hmm. know? you just hear some stats like the average Kenyan family spends like 60 cents a day on living mm -hmm. or something like that and you're just like fuck so I just spend like 30 pounds on smoothies mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> what have I done wow and, and ironically that's the first thing you said today where I think god I want that lifestyle yeah I yeah. wish I could spend thirty pounds on smoothies. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with, me, with me, it was everything else. You'd it was say. everything else he said. Whereas, I, as soon as I heard smoothies, I was just like, "Wow!" So you've obviously travelled quite a lot as well with poker. Yeah. Or is it always sort of there are five main places that everyone just goes to play poker? At first, there was. Uh, I did this one series, uh, the European Poker Tour, which isn't around anymore, and I thought that was just it. I thought I was just going to travel the EPT, and that'd be that'd be it. And the places were pretty sick. There was like Barcelona, Prague, Bahamas, Malta, and some other places. Nice. Um, European. Yeah, European right. poker. Um, but now, after I have branched out a bit and realised there's a lot more poker, it's pretty much it can take you can take you anywhere as long as there's not any weird gang gambling re regulations there. It, you can pretty much go anywhere. So how do you get to that level where you can sort of go on a tour? Like, do you have to buy into a tour, or do they come to you and say? Uh, no, they'll they, just like it's kind of like if they build it, they'll come kind of thing. Right. Um. So one company will be like, "Yo, we're having like there's one in Nottingham is next." 
and I'll be like, okay, we're going to have a all exotic a places. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They've really filled it in nicely there. The Bahamas, <laughs> the Malta, <laughs> Nottingham. <laughs> um, but it's pretty sick there. Not, the, the poker, the poker club's pretty sick. Um, but then when you go on those kind of tours, they'll they'll have like a a five k, a ten k, a twenty five k, and you can decide which one of those you want to play and if you just want to play like the main event then that's fine if you want to play the higher orders that's fine and there'll even be like mini ones like a hundred dollars or five hundred dollars or whatever for people who are at different stages in their poker career so then how do you get up to and what stage are you at the moment are you, are you in that high roller group or yeah so like now i i think that i could play pretty much any tournament that i wanted um if i didn't want to put up all the money myself which is definitely something that happens a lot in the poker world um, I Could people would, like fund other people to do it exactly yeah so to decrease variance meaning that so there's a lot of variance in poker meaning that you could if, even if you play the best poker you've ever played in your life you can still lose for a year because mm-hmm. there's just luck involved um, so to decrease that chance of happening you can kind of like spread your seed to multiple places and so for can, example can a person come in and say alright me and another person are going to invest with you we'll go three ways and then we'll split if we win anything the winning split it three ways back yeah exactly so you you might be like okay I'm going to play this this 100k tournament I'm going to sell 2% to that guy 5% to that guy that guy wants 30% and then afterwards the guy that got 30% will get 30% of the winnings etc um, so yeah I could I think that there I would so there was a tournament coming up in Vegas in May which they did a fucking raffle for and I didn't get in the raffle and it was like the biggest sweat that I had the biggest gambling sweat that I had because I had like a 75% chance of getting in but I didn't get in and the buying was 300k and it was just going to be the best tournament that's ever happened um, I'm kind of tilted tilted means like an- annoyed in the yeah. Um that I didn't get in that um, that's annoying but I, I wouldn't be able to put up 300k myself I mean I would but that'd be dumb because that's just like it's a massive risk yeah exactly uh, so I, I'd put up an X percent of that myself and then sell the rest to other people okay how do you go about selling that do you have uh, contacts or is there a way yeah, to I'd, offer it out at first it's kind of tricky because if no one knows that you're good then you can't really sell to other people mm-hmm. um, then once you get a name for yourself I can just make a Facebook status now and I'll get like 20 people being like let me please mm-hmm. because I, I've had like a I love making other people money and I've had such a good run of like I've got lucky at the times when other people have had pieces of the pie um, so that has also word has got around and people mm-hmm. have told their friends invest in, invest in that guy and so you know when things don't go well for poker players in general yeah have you ever seen any like mad reactions when people have lost big money people flip their shit like really? quite a lot yeah, yeah. it's like one of the things that the higher stakes you get the less it happens which is kind of like counterintuitive but it makes sense in the sense that you just like desensitized by that point because you by that point you're prepared to lose that level of money yeah i think that's kind of interesting actually like that is one thing i noticed about poker players that is that something bad can happen in their life like they'll lose money uh-huh. uh like let's say their car breaks down they have to buy a new car or, i don't know cars or beer, sure that happens um a lot of people they would be pissed off for a week if that happens yeah like, this fucking car got a new car poker players because they're so used to that non-stop winning money losing money winning money losing money seeing their car break down is just like oh I just lost 10k that happens easy come easy go yeah and I I feel like that's that's one of the one of the good qualities you get out of being a poker player is just that desensitization that um, comes with the lack of emotional attachment to money as well Mm -hmm. Um, and it means it's a lot harder to get pissed off during the day you know because 
a lot of the stuff that does piss people off is money. Stuff like money, yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's a really good point. So when you get up to the high roller place, what what's that like to be part of that group? Is it is it like the sort of thing where you sort of text five people and be like, let's all the high rollers go to Nando's? Like- <laughs> I mean, you make friends, you start playing the same faces pretty much all the time, especially in like the the highest of the high rollers. Though there's probably like fifty people who are playing them consistently and regularly. Um and to be honest, I, I fucking love it. Like the kinds of different people you get are just insane. When you get to that level, you get people who are passionate, who are eccentric, who like have esoteric um, hobbies, and you just be like, oh, this person, oh, he's also like the world champion climber, and right. uh, this person is also a boxer or something like that. This person has taken six months out to do MMA, and there, <laughs> there was like an MMA fight that happened within the poker world. It was really funny. Um, so this, there was this one guy that was. I forgot which belt he was. I think yellow belt of um, jujitsu, Brazilian mm-hmm. um, jujitsu. Yeah, it's not good at okay. all, right? Um, he was challenged to, a, to me. challenged a fight to a guy. Gave the other gave the other guy odds. So if they bet 100k, <laughs> they would get 130. <laughs> Instantly back. betting on it, I right? Like. And then the guy, I think the guy had, I think it was like 20 pounds on him, mm-hmm. which is like quite a lot in mm-hmm. MMA, I think. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they just like went at it they had six months to prepare and it was just like the most hilarious thing because all these poker players like suddenly turned into MMA geniuses like oh trust me it's the guy with all the experience the yellow belt and he just got absolutely annihilated the Mm -hmm. guy was just like huge by the end of it (laughs) obviously crushed he didn't take any fucking chances eh? (laughs) did his homework what would you do if someone challenged you to a fight would you take them up on that like do some training I would only do it if it was an actual worthy challenge, though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You obviously, the, if someone stupid comes, how much I'm fighting not, have you done? I'm not a fucking uh, bully, or what's that? How much fighting have you done? Uh, I'm, I'm not a professional fighter at all, mate. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, have you have you got in? Like, oh, I've had plenty of fights, but yeah, I'm not a I'm not a professional okay, fighter. Okay. But what usually happens, I got to an age where. And another thing is when you've had like a few scraps and that people tend to realise, all right, well that's not a good idea. Yeah. So then the name, but then sometimes it can work the other way where you get a name for yourself and people want to sort of test themselves against you. But how yeah. old were you when you got big, like actually big? You know. What do you mean, like uh, when were you, I were you like a big kids? Yeah, I saw like um, fourteen. I remember I was playing basketball and there was a video being taken, and I remember watching it back after the class. Um, and I was like, who the fuck's that? And then I realised it was me. Who's <laughs> that guy? Did I, he eat everyone else? No, I, I just realised that my... Um, I'd never lifted a weight. I was, right. I'd yeah. never, ever picked the weight up. But everyone else was just... When they turned to the side, so much more narrow. And my chest and back was just thicker than everyone else. Okay. So, like, when I picked up a weight, I was just... My body just absorbed weight training. Yes, yeah, so it was just That's like... Really cool. <laughs> it was like... Um, yeah, just like... Natural making a fucking horse pl- uh, plough the fucking fields or whatever you know like it's just like oh this is what I'm meant to do do you know what I mean do you feel like your size has got you in more or fewer fights uh, fewer without a doubt I, I think that um, like you if take you for example and this no offence mate no, obviously no, no, no. but like <laughs> no, <I'm> <laughs> <laughs> if you are the um, natural target I was the natural person to avoid I yeah, was at the sure. opposite end of the food chain but at the same time it's like it didn't make us think. I don't know. I think that if even if I'd been the kid who was maybe the weedy kid or whatever, that I think I'd probably mentally have been the same person because yeah. I never really let it go to my head. 
That must have been a huge thing in school, actually. Like, you just, like, don't have any of the negative side of it because people don't do it. No, because you've got the other negative side of it. So you've got... So you've got on one side, you've got you who maybe you who maybe can't communicate that well and you're saying that like physically you weren't imposing yep. I was physically imposing but then you get the other shit of he's the big fat slow guy in like in the heads do you know what I mean yeah. like you know, yeah he's big he's big and strong but because he's big and strong he must be fucking dumb yeah like that was that is a stigma I've had my it's whole David life David and Goliath isn't it really the <clears throat> idea from being 10 years old people used to think I was dumb just because of the size of us because there's no way I could be big and strong and intelligent like there's just that's not going to happen and yeah. they were right yeah. they were, <laughs> I was going to say what are the chances they were, no, they were spot on the whole time yeah. David and Goliath is an interesting story actually because they were saying uh, like it could actually be about a real story mm-hmm. so it could actually be that it, um, they said that they found skeletons of huge people from that time and those people uh, would obviously be taken into the army at that time because yeah, it was like yeah. well this guy's huge let's take yeah. him but also that the, the, those people were obviously ill or they had they the, what they think was that Goliath had a growth on one of his glands which caused him to just not stop growing mm. and what that did was it caused everything in his body to grow so it would also cause other problems for him so it would cause like stuff behind his eyes to grow so he would have like double vision and things like this and so when they sent him out, obviously they just sent him out as some sort of a big intimidating, yeah. you know. Uh, and actually, the person with the better odds the whole time was David because he was just David trained. would have been the favourite, and he would have been told yeah. like the best place to hit him is exactly there because yeah. those people were very because the, the way they there grew, is a were point though where being big becomes um, counterproductive. So like, you mean in a fight in life? Like I oh, think yeah, sure. I think once you go past. Um, for example, if you put me in a fight against someone now and said you can fight someone who's five foot eleven or fight someone who's six foot seven, yeah, I, I would take the six foot seven guy any day of the week over the five foot eleven guy. Skin, skinny small guys are scrappy, aren't no, they? No, but what I'm not even saying skinny. <laughs> to learn to yeah, be. I'm saying five foot eleven is um, you can still have a certain amount of strength and your certain mobility. I would decimate a six foot seven guy. If, fucking quick because he because can't put muscle on there's no way he's going to be able to be mobile in that size like I think once you get you, to a point maybe 6 foot 5 you can you can be a certain you can be certain kind of mobile but like once you get like I've seen like Stefan Struve who's an MMA fighter he's like 6 foot 7 once he gets someone who's mobile who can keep coming at him and he can't keep them at arm's length he is so fucked why do you think that is though like do you ever think about that because I was thinking about this the other day with uh, like the NBA guys mm. You know, the big guys, it's often thought, oh, well, they can't shoot threes or whatever. I think, why doesn't your whole body just grow proportionally? Why do you... Yeah, like, genetics, wh- what the fuck? No, like, wh- <laughs> why, if someone's taller, are they lankier? Like, why isn't it all it proportional? It that, doesn't that, always work that way. Like, no, not always, but very often you will sort of see, me, like, you know... When, pe- when I get a photograph taken of me on my own, people say I look about five foot ten because I am assume, broad and yeah, yeah, tall yeah, yeah. so it doesn't so I don't look too. as tall as I am until people meet us in person but with smaller people around so if kids get their picture taken with you you look like yeah. you know six nine or a paedophile yeah or, or both or just a six, like, nine stay nine away from a kid kind of reaction obviously yeah. the scariest sort of thing ever really yeah <laughs> no, it is funny how life gives and takes away isn't it but um wow but I had days at school where I felt a bit shit like genuinely so even because you were I just remember thinking 
well it would be nice to be a bit like bit have a natural six pack and not have spots and yeah, so yeah, there's yeah. That, everyone has everyone and even the people something. who you think are the the beautiful people at school get up in the morning and feel embarrassed and look like shit and they everyone having, in, everyone's insecure yeah, everyone yeah for sure they end up having more insecurities i think because they have so much attention on the way that they look mm-hmm. that it like they notice it when and you have they to have live up to something thing. like if you're the pretty girl in school and then you get a spot it's a way bigger deal yeah, than if you've yeah, always yeah, had definitely. spots I would imagine yeah, yeah definitely other people probably make a bigger deal with it. although it's also about I guess again it's about that perspective you know if, if you're going to be that negative mm-hmm. like you could be really good looking and be really negative and you probably have a terrible life but you could be really ugly and be really positive like you know like me and have a and have a great <laughs> life you know but you know that that tends to be true, and also it also tends to be that if someone sails through school because they are good looking, or you know they sail through school because they are one thing in particular, they tend not to approach their problems, yeah. or they tend not to have realised those problems because they tend it's like to not have any reason as well to grow as a person because they get all the validation they need without growing a personality, and I'm sure that there are exceptions, but yeah. I, I'd say the tendency oh. is that the shallower people's perceptions of you the more they trust they want you for your looks is the less you need to try I, I don't know about you two but I've met lads from school like you, you like we leave school at like 16 and I've met lads who 10 years on are the exact, exact same, same person and I yeah. look at them and I go fuck what me what were you man. doing yeah, yeah. <laughs> same fucking per- come on man We've had time. What have you been doing with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same shit every week, mate. Well, the, but then I also, I got to admit, I kind of, like when I was younger, I really found it hard to understand why someone would want to stay in my hometown, why someone would want to just build a life. Yeah. But now I also see the big benefits of that. Like I have some really good friends who've, you know, bought a house and those sort of things. No, I, think, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm not saying you're saying that. Yeah, but it it's almost it's almost amazing how people can remain the same like you have yeah. to almost try to shelter I'd yourself to from so life hard. you almost have to shove your head up your own ass for 10 years ignore and, other people uh, you have to yeah. be ignorant yeah and, and ironically the guys I know who haven't grown since school are the most ignorant cunts you could ever meet in your life yeah. Do you know? and that's why I'm good friends with them <laughs> we didn't go to school together just so yeah. no yeah. seriously oh, yeah. I, 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 it, it sort of frustrates us because I'm like you're just missing out do you think you, like, as you've gotten further away from school, you become more confident because you're 23 now? I remember still feeling like a sense of attachment to. Um, I, I think that if I were to graph out my confidence levels, it would have like when I was younger and getting bullied, like low down here, and then school would have been up here, and now probably getting back down again back down, because yeah, yeah. I've got some level of humility and realizing that I'm just a you know, just a, a multi-millionaire poker player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, th- there were moments in school where I had like ludicrously high confidence <laughs> and self worth. Really? Um, Why? I, I don't know. I just you like, were clever as well. I mean, I I saw myself as the smartest. I saw myself right. as like the best with my words, and obviously not anymore. <laughs> and, um, and do you think that autism is part of that? Because I I've seen um, some people who have like a, a detachment from reality yeah. with that. Um, yeah, I I, th- I think a mixture of the autistic side and the sociopathic side. Like I definitely had. I think one of the lists of like the sociopathic things is like mm. delusions of self grandeur, mm. and um, it, it just came from just like a defense mechanism of wanting to give myself that validation. I think that I never got yeah. from other people, yeah. And just like seeing myself as the best. I remember I had times where it's like if someone else even implied that someone was smarter than me, I just like my insides are just I'm like fuck that. I'm gonna prove it wrong. And would, would you get angry? 
or would you laugh like how, how would you respond to that I think more of a laugh more of a like laugh but subtly prove try and prove it like I'd be a lot more manipulative back then um pretty bad I was a pretty bad human being at times but, you know. I think you're quite young though you sound like quite oh, just quite yeah, naive I, I was like that. 15 or something yeah, like. we've yeah. all been an arsehole like, it's at that age yeah. not me <laughs> not, not the perfect. angel yep <laughs> um, yeah no I probably was a real arsehole at that time as well yeah. how do you think you've changed in the last like say like four years I was just saying on the on the last podcast I just learned a lot like m- more so just um, I mean one thing that you've done which I admire is where other people would think don't do this it's a silly move don't do that it's a bad idea yeah. and you've taken chances you've gambled actually with life as well as yeah, the actual sure. job um, just learning to follow what I want to do um, right or wrong and uh, yeah I think that's the best yes. way what about you Loz? I think I've learned a lot um, you've changed in the last few months you in what way I've just noticed the difference in you like uh, I think you've chilled out a bit do you think what was he like before uh, no, no I just highly strong no I, I just think um, I, I've watched you grow a lot since meeting you like uh, I think you just take life a little bit less seriously like you don't get wound up as much as you used to yeah I think that sort of comes in waves though mm-hmm. doesn't it like uh, yeah uh, yeah like I think I think everyone sort of grows in their 20s don't they mm, yeah there's no way if you don't there is probably something wrong yeah, I never want to stop growing I don't, and I don't think you do, yeah. think, oh, I'm here now. I'm but there's here. Di- I think there's different levels or different kinds of growth. And I think yeah, what, I, what I've sort of observed of other people is if you don't go through those stages, very often people will always keep going back to that stage where they didn't complete. It's a, yeah. It is a little bit like a computer game in that sense that yeah, you, definitely. you know, if you don't complete a level, you can't get on to the next one. Yeah. And it's, and I know some people are stuck in certain levels. Like there are some guys who are like 40 and they still think, it's cool, I'm going to go out tonight and I'm going to go and blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But at some point, you sort of think that's a little bit like there is something unusual. If yeah. you've if you've been doing that same thing for the past twenty years and you're still getting a validation out of it, yeah. there's something maybe there's something. Sometimes they need to I look wonder at. if my mind's playing tricks on us though, because sometimes I, I look back and I will think, "Fucking hell, I, I thought I knew it all then, but I really knew fuck all." But that's yeah, the, exactly. but thinking and now that. Thinking now, now yeah, like maybe maybe I do know but stuff. The, but then a few more years they'll go by, and then I'll say it again, and I'll be like, "Yeah, even then I, I knew fuck yeah, all." Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then I, I wonder well then what do I know now is that is that a lot or is that how will I feel about this in a few that years that was like my biggest problem a few years ago was will that I look I, at this as the definitive or will I think that the next three years are more definitive I remember thinking that. I remember going to my uncle's and he's like this incredibly kind of spiritual guy he's very intelligent and I remember thinking I remember asking him like how do we know how, how do I know when it's real do you know what I mean like yeah. at what point am I going to know that my knowledge is right you know never, and he was like never you're never going to know <laughs> and, and when you're like you know when you're first going to university or you're first sort of fresh out of school you're a bit like oh well I would really want to know like you know I really, <laughs> really want to if I knew it's like we're all searching for that like enlightenment of some sort and like and I think no matter how old you get if you're a questioner of like why are we here what we're doing is yeah. the right thing am I doing the right path and, and you literally will question that until the point where you go well when, when I die and like and almost like when you die and it either just switches off completely and, the, and, the, and it goes black and that's like so. and there's the episode finished the film ends or, or something else happens but the, anyone sick in that like validation of was was I right with this? Yeah. You literally will drive ourselves crazy. Yeah, you're just never going to be right about it. It's just yeah. like one of the things where we're, we're human. 
we see such a small percentage of the universe. Like, there are a bunch of other dimensions that we can't even comprehend. <laughs> there are just, like, things that we don't know exist out there. We, we can't see most of the things that we even do exist in this dimension. Mm-hmm. And somehow we're trying to give ourselves all the answers to the universe. You know? Or like, fooling ourselves into thinking we can achieve all those answers. Yeah, exactly. And sort of, like, the, it, it's almost the sense of, like god without you know like an atheist yeah. idea of god like so like oh we can find all the answers yeah, but it's actually yeah. like well actually no you can't but well, I, I think it's very reassuring that the, you might the, be able to the only thing you can hope for is that the 20 year old you could teach the 10 year old you a lot the 30 year old you yeah, could teach exactly. the 20 year old you a lot and so on and so on and so on so if you could say that after 10 years of, of life every time and say fuck me i could really sit down with the the, the the 20 year old me or whatever do you know what i mean and teach them a lot then you're doing something right. Yeah, uh, but if you so. can't say that, and there's so many people who think they can, but they can't, because they're not growing at all. But that's what I'm saying. Is like you. So it's very easy to uh, obviously when when you, so when you say oh, there's a lot of people that can't. Do you think of yourself in that in that category? Because uh, we were having this conversation last week when we when we talk about certain YouTubers or we talk about certain public figures or someone. Sometimes afterwards we have messages from those exact YouTubers who didn't know we were talking about them, and so you'll be like, "Not me. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I haven't had any messages. I'm not in this." No, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. you know, there there will be people out there you'll be like, "Yeah, these fucking YouTubers, these idiots," and then they'll be like, "Yeah, idiots," and you're like, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but the point is, so, so like, but the, but it's about having Don't that. Talk about my myths like that. But it's about having that awareness, though, isn't it? Like that awareness to be like well actually I'm probably one of those people yeah. and actually what you often find is the people the, the stuff that you judge very harshly is often the stuff that you like the least about yourself I've heard that a lot uh, I, I think that can be true but I also think that it could also not be true I think that also it could be the case that you used to be like that and, and when you you've gone through away. and it's like if, yeah. you, if you've gone through making a huge mistake in your life and then you don't anymore you know exactly what it's like to make that mistake and you observe it and you're almost angry with that person for making that mistake yeah or just like I, I see I see myself in you I see my younger self in you yeah. I see that like if there's like a recovered alcoholic looking at an alcoholic they'd be like I see exactly the rationalization you're thinking for why you were going to take another drink mm-hmm. but, but trust me it's not, it's not like that and I, I think that you can also see things that you know you don't have bad with yourself I think you can yeah. totally notice agree. in other people I think one thing I really disliked about myself when I was younger was when people were weak like in a bad way and I don't mean like um, hey. ill <laughs> I, I don't mean like physically ill or disabled yeah. or anything I just mean like people were just weak minded like I, I used to look at them like what the fuck is wrong with you like sort it out man just fucking sort it. do you know what I mean no, no. weakness is such a but weakness is such a like such is going back to that David and Goliath, and Goliath thing. It's such a perception. Based. No, it was, but I just had no empathy at all for Which it. Which is so I find that so unusual. Yeah. Well, but I'm not like that now. I think what happened was I used to look at other people like that, and then at one point in my life, there was someone who I really cared about who was like that, and I was yeah. like, "Oh fucking hell!" Yeah, I did the exact same thing, and it, it just made us realize like it just made us more of a, a human. Like it made us more yeah. like oh. You need to soften up your fucking cunt. You're an asshole. <laughs> also, because you're actually quite a powerful person. Like, and you, also, I've I've got this strong um, inner belief that I could use to give that person to help them. Yeah, and definitely. I had to do that. I think that's what happens. Like, if you have someone like a romantic partnership where you have someone that's like really, really strong-minded, nothing bothers them, and then someone else that they're like super anxious, insecure, they tend to just like drift towards a middle point with each other and I think that can be like the most the thing that can grow someone the most That's that was a really interesting I think it's uh, what is their name um, uh, Eckhart Tolle says this really interesting thing and they say um, if you've got a burning 
log and you put a, a log that's not burning next to it then that other log will begin to burn and the whole idea is that you know you sort of if you have a relationship with someone that's close then yeah. the other person will begin to burn in the same way as you do yeah, I, I realised that I could make people or break people who were close to us like um, fantastic because I look forward to that day. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Yeah, you got a fifty-fifty. Yeah, <laughs> no, but like I just mean I know like I didn't realize my uh, strength of mind around other people, like how right. much I was impacting them. Yeah, you can be a huge influence if you're like, like a strong personality. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've got one last question for you, mate. How do you want to be remembered? Remembered by whom? By whoever you want, mate. Um, if, if you if you look at the end of your life, do you want someone to remember something about you? I want, on a logical level, I want people to remember me as the person who's done a bunch of good in the world. But on an emotional level, I just want people to think that I was the kindest version of me that I could be, you know? Nice one, mate. Thanks very much for coming yeah, on, pal. It's been fun. absolutely it's class. Fun, I appreciate it. I hope you lot have enjoyed this. I certainly have. If you have, make sure you hit that like button. Subscribe to me, your mate, the true Geordie. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you later.